Attention! Scum! You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you... What you want? What you got me up here for? Oh, Joe, it's it's so difficult. I, you're a nice person, Joe. I, I I should never have asked you up here. You're you're a lovely person, really. Oh God, I loathe life. I loathe it. Please go, please. You want me to leave? No. I mean yes, yes. Please go. Come back tomorrow. Promise. I'm going to Florida tomorrow. I gotta have money. Yeah. Don't even thank me. I gotta have more than ten. I gotta have fifty-seven dollars. I simply don't have it, Joe. I got family, goddammit. You're wasting your time, Joe. There's nothing in here. Get out of my way, please, sir. Now, you gonna let go of that table? Now, you gonna let go of that table? You wanna bust this car?
get down to it, Bopper. Oh, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Chris Stanley, and the rest. We'll light this one up today. Looking for Ichiban's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ichiban's, of course, Fezzy, the big story. Let's go right away to Dan. Dan in Florida. Florida. Dan, what do you got for me, brother? The Ichiban today is the Arena Football League will be closing. The Arena Football League will be closing and then what? Open up again in another 18 months like they always do? Uh, I don't know. The owner of the Tampa Bay Storm posted on his Facebook that there will be an announcement shortly that says that the league will be folding. Then that's an announcement now. If you post it on your Facebook and said... The league is going to fold. I'm going to make an announcement. That's an announcement to me. Uh, Big-ass uh, prize closet for you, my friend. Maybe he could cut costs by not having these big, fancy Facebook accounts. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Arena football, Fezzy, to me, is right up there with the basketball game that they played with trampolines for a couple <laughs> of years. It just is not the sport. Slam ball. It's not the real sport. It never should have caught on. Now, if you want to, and now they're doing another USFL, is that it? Yeah, UFL, I think it is. Whatever the hell it is. I can't keep up. If you want a real chance to compete out there, I have the league for you. And it's basically, uh, here's my premise. Uh, Because you're not going to beat the NFL. They are gigantic. You cannot go after the same players as them. You could do what the Canadians do and have a different country and have your teams there. There's a there's real opportunity. But here you go. And this is my idea. Urban Meyer has just signed uh, with the Florida Gators a $24 million contract. He's getting $24 million to coach kids that are getting no money at all. Zero money. They get nothing. The coach gets $24 million. There's no way that anybody could look at this system and see that it's it's fair. My idea is to set up a league and go after high school kids and say, next year, I'm willing to pay you $250,000, $500,000 the following year, a million dollars the year after that. And by the time your four-year deal is up, you'll be able to jump in with the NFL. Go against the NCAA, which, trust me, is slave labor. And if you got together, um, and you don't try to have 18 uh, teams right up the bat, have four to six teams and say, we are going to compete against the NCAA. We'll play our games on Saturdays. And we are going to have the same age kids that are in fo- that are in college football, and as they waste four years of their life, they would have the opportunity to make some real bread. And I think you'd have a shot then, Fuzz. So it would be just co- college age kids, but no college involved. Why should there be? They're not going to college anyway. They're playing football for a fucking living. 
you can't possibly learn the sport and also have a separate major. That's always been a lie. So all for these kids as they're coming out of high school, you may make it to the pros one day. But I'm telling you, over the next four years, you can make one and a half, two million dollars with us. I think you're going to get enough kids to jump at first, just based on that. Mm-hmm. And five, six, ten years down the road, you will compete against college football, and there finally will be some fucking fairness. Now, if the NFL says we won't take anybody out of that league, I'd fucking sue them. I would absolutely sue them because there's no – they don't force anyone to have a college education right. before they fucking sign. Most of the people who sign uh, a pro football deal aren't even – don't have a fucking diploma at all. So uh, there you have it. I think it would work. I think it needs to happen. And anyone who can sit there and feel good about the fact that Urban Meyer fucking gets $24 million and no one knocks him on his ass at least once goes to show you how bullshit this is. Here's uh, Beverly in Atlanta. She's got a big Ichi bomb for me. Beverly, what do you got? I got O.J. Simpson maybe getting released. O.J. Simpson... Uh, they're taking it to the, I guess it's Nevada Supreme Court, Fezzi. Um, and I think he's going to have a shot here because it sure as hell looked like a kangaroo court against him. Well, yes, it's just, the problem is he's such a flight risk. You know, they want to let it. His lawyers want him out while his case is being appealed. If the motherfucker ran, he's the slowest <laughs> ever. It's the slowest getaway in history. Which is ironic, since considering his career. I don't consider him a flight risk. He showed up for the last one. He showed up uh, even though he was in uh, a real thing. But it will be interesting to say, no, I don't have a fucking, uh, I don't have any kind of a fucking um, law degree. But uh, and I don't think the guy's going anywhere. But from what I saw, the last fucking court case, uh-huh. uh, they were out to get him. They were out to uh, get him. Uh, here is Don in Nebraska. Don, what do you got for me, buddy? Yeah, oh, Ronnie, this uh, this league that will be competing with the NCAA. Now, would this be like considered like a farm system for the NFL? It could be. I mean, quite frankly, what I would do is probably have a cutoff age. And if you don't make it to the NFL by the time you're 26, 27, it's, uh, it's time to move on. You know, keep it as a young, hot league that that would probably be a farm league. Now, as the years went by, you could say, is, does that still suit us? But right now, the NCAA is bullshit. They're fucking getting all this free talent and not paying anything for it. In the meantime, a fucking hack like uh, this fucking Urban Meyer picks up $24 million for recruiting. For recruiting fucking kids for free. That's Pimp. Uh, Struff, how are you, buddy? You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going? I have a little bit of an Ichiban slash spy report slash board gossip combo platter for you. Mongo the trucker is getting married today, and I think it's a shotgun wedding because anyone who's seen him lately knows how big he's been getting. Uh, Struff, you're the one who put together the 202 tweets? Yes. Uh, 202 tweets. Now, uh, Fezzy, if you ever Twitter and uh-huh. you're a friend of ours... It lasts forever on Struff's site, which is what, Struff? ONA Rundowns? 
Uh, well, a couple of different names, but for the tweets, it's 202tweets.com. I did it, and Mongo did it, and Schnittdick did it. Uh, there, you are now out there, and your little tweets will stay forever on the Internet. Thanks a lot, brother, and congratulations right. to Mongo. All right. See ya. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I just got Twittyoed in the elevator on the way up. Opie was leaving and started Twittyoing me in the lobby as I was trying to get on the elevator. That'll be some entertaining stuff. Did you put on a little act for him? The paparazzi. Well, just, you know, scared to get in the elevator, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Did that bit. bit. You're always willing to do Fez for ONA. I don't give Fez anymore. Uh, ONA, when he's on their show, hello, guys. You have to excuse me. Something's up my ass. Uh, here's Lincoln in New Mexico. Lincoln. Ryan O'Neill flirted with a blonde woman at Pharaoh Fawcett's funeral. Turned out to be his daughter Tatum that he didn't recognize. You know how fucked up you got to be <laughs> to be hitting on your own fucking kid. I thought he was my new up hero when he talked dying Farah. Big ass prize closet for you, uh, Lincoln. I thought he was fucked up when he uh, pushed dying Farah into doing that uh, reality show. But Ryan O'Neill has taken himself from being at one time one of the biggest stars the country ever had into what kind of reality fucking freak do you want me to be? Do you want me to punch my kid on TV? Do you want me to try to hook up with my uh, daughter? What do I have to do to get you to uh, look at me? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Chris in Brooklyn. You're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hey, um, um, got an Ishbon for you. Uh, former President Clinton just met with Kim Jong-il in North Korea trying to get those two reporters free. Uh, Big Bill Clinton uh, hops on the plane, Fezzy, goes to North Korea, and uh, tries to wheel and deal to get those reporters free. And one of the reporters, sister, used to be on The View. Right, yeah, Lisa Ling. Lisa Loeb. No, Lisa. You say... You know, I hear what you want to hear. Now, this makes our Secretary of State look really bad. Hillary Clinton was trying to talk to the North Koreans about their weapons, and they called her uh, basically a retarded schoolgirl and said that she looks like some sort of retiree on a pension going shopping. I don't know if why, apparently those are big insults in North Korea. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I think, it, I think, if anything, it makes her look strong. To say, I don't give a shit what they say. Let's do whatever we have to do. They want an ex-president. They want somebody to go over there. You know, there might be some kind of cash deal. Maybe we'll give them a couple nukes. But they want to get those two little girls home uh, safe and sound. And I think it looks like uh, they're willing to try anything. I know if it was my family and I heard uh, the big dog was going over, I'd feel uh, like, okay, at least they're trying. Now... I don't understand these people going to North Korea. I saw this thing yesterday. Three hikers in Iran uh, fucking picked up Americans. Oh, when they were hiking, they got lost. They thought they were in Iraq. What? You know how many fucking places there are? Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, Montana. You want to go fucking hiking? Walk across Canada. You run into people there that probably make you breakfast. What the fuck are you doing hiking over there? Well, there's a thousand beheading videos out there, and yet nobody thinks I'll be the one getting my head lopped off. I think they were coming back with balls of hash. 
I really <laughs> have a tough time fucking falling for this story. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Randy. Randy in St. Louis, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Uh, according to the AP, they have discovered a new strain of the AIDS virus over in Africa. Oh, bad news, Fezzy, just when you're about to start. Yeah. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here is Dan in Tennessee. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, according to Yahoo, Obama's big cast the clunkers plan ends Friday. No yeah, I don't about. understand. Is this, you know, some people are saying it, everyone jumped on it so fast, it's very successful. Then I heard the Republicans say it's not successful enough. Uh, and I asked you to check into this for me. I don't get the cash for clunkers. Who is given the cash and why? Right, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I've put together kind of an explanation. I think it's going to make it simple for everybody. It's kind of an educational film I've put together. All right, let's turn the lights down here and get the projector out. So no pop quiz today, everybody. It's going to be movie day. But I'm going to say this. If I catch anybody sleeping, if I see you with your head down on the desk, I'm going to throw the eraser at you. All right, so it's educational. And there may be a quiz at the end of this. So I want you to pay attention. This is the Cash for Clunkers program, also known by its official name, the Consumer Assistance Recycle and Save Act of 2009. Cars, isn't that clever? The plan is to help the auto industry sell cars, and that helps our economy. Here comes the auto industry now. How have you been feeling, auto industry? Not so good. My sales are down, and I'm closing dealerships and laying off workers. Well, let's see if Cash for Clunkers can help. Here's how it works. Consumers can turn in their old cars, 25 years old or less, that get low gas mileage but are still drivable. And get a government voucher sent to the dealer worth up to $4,500 towards a new energy-efficient car. That'll help the environment, too. Right, environment? Oh, yes, that would be wonderful. And I'm breathing better already. And my sales are better. That's right, Auto Industry. The Cash for Clunkers program runs from July 1st to November 1st or until the money runs out, which is already happening. We'll see about that. Who are you? Well, honey, I'm Congress. And right now, we're going to see about pumping another $2 billion into the Cash for Clunkers program. Hooray! That's great. It's Cash for Clunkers, and that's how it works. Hey, what about me? And you are? I'm an old gas guzzler car, less than 25 years old. What happens to me? Oh, you? Your inefficient parts are destroyed and your worthless body used for scrap. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, it's right. It's Cash for Clunkers. See if your local car dealership is participating in Cash for Clunkers. Government money for shitty cars. And I think that explains it all. All right, this is embarrassing. I fell asleep. After I'm... giving that, I just uh, I couldn't stay awake for it. Uh, eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Here is uh, Mark in New Jersey. Mark, that was the best tutorial I've ever heard. Thank you. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. 
Uh, Mikey in Queens. Mikey, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how you doing, guys? What can we do for you? Yeah, I wanted to know if you saw the article in the New York Times about the push to uh, expand tourism in some different parts of uh, Iraq. Well, I, they're going to need a roller coaster. I don't think people are going to go that far around the world without having a really giant roller coaster, Fez. Uh, people like them. Kids used to like them. Mm-hmm. Now adults like them, and kids can't get on. They're so big, children can no longer ride the rides at the amusement park. You're going to have uh, to have a lot of exhibits, too, because it's going to get hot out there. Have those ice cream carts ready. Uh, look at this. Radio Shack is now about to undergo a rebranding and call themselves the Shack. Uh, we were talking about this when Pizza Hut wanted to drop the pizza from its name. The new thing is business is bad. What's the problem? The first part of our name. Now, Radio Shack, when you think about it, has always been a stupid fucking name because they never sold a lot of radios there. No, it was always, you know, just any sort of electronic equipment other than radios, really. A lot of cables they sell for some reason. Cable Shack might be the way to go with it. Uh, But I don't know why everyone thinks uh, it's good to uh, drop half the name. This is when somebody tries to give themselves a nickname. It just doesn't work. If people were going, hey, you know what? I've been going to the shack for years, Ronnie. Wouldn't it be perfect for for Shaq to do, though? Shaq will probably sue. No, just the opposite. (laughs) Let him be the spokesmodel. This is Shaq for Radio Shaq. (laughs) What are you going to do with that 4500 hours the governor give you? Governor give you 4500 hours for your clunker. Why not come to the shack? What's nice is the new names have absolutely nothing to do with their products. Radio Shack sells electronics. A shack. Do you think you would go to a shack for electronics? The government gave me 4500 hours for my clunker. Where am I going? To the shack. And then off to the hut. It makes no sense. Stop at the BK. Uh, here is um, here is oh, it's the Daily Leader. Uh, after the debacle on Friday, we didn't hear from him yesterday. Leader, how you doing, buddy? All right, how's it going, guys? What do you got for us? Hey, Fez, maybe you could turn in that bid and get forty five hundred off a new car because that was some clunker you had. Oh, Fezzy, you made Fezzy giggle. Look. I saw you giggle at the joke. Look. No, you got to give it to him. No, I if, won't. I will not. If you giggle, then he then it's weird. You're better on the phones, leader. Better on the phones. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here is uh, Rich in Yonkers. The inventor of heart punch, the great Blackjack Mulligan, suffered a stroke. Did he punch himself by mistake? Uh, how many blackjacks has there been? Blackjack Lonza. Yeah. Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah. Well, what did Blackjack Mulligan have? He had the heart punch? Hey, I thought he had the claw. I had the claw. Who had the heart punch? Stan Stasiak? Stan Stasiak had the heart punch. Yeah. All right. So you're wrong with the, the Mulligan. Right. Uh, who had the, the loaded lariat? The flying lariat? That was Stan Hansen. Mm. Stan I, the lariat Hansen. Let me tell you something. Well, a hell of a lot of great stands in those days. Mm-hmm. A lot broke, of great stands. Broke Bruno's neck. Blackjack McDowell had the finger. Uh, here is um, here's Corey in Virginia. Corey, you're on Run of Fez. 
Hey, buddies, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, um, I watched the X Games over the weekend. I kind of stumbled on it, I guess, on Friday. I'd always dismiss that as kind of like a, I don't know, kid stuff. Didn't really consider them, you know, athletes. But I got completely pulled into it this weekend. Watched the entire thing. It was amazing, man. Well, it's, you know, if this was ten awesome, or twelve, man. if this was ten or twelve years ago, we could sit around and debate whether X Games has a future and whether if these guys are athletes. But they're all fucking rich now. This is a, a legitimate sport. They've got their own fans. And uh, you know what they like, Fezzi? What's that? They get air. They get so mm-hmm. excited when someone... If someone gets air, mm-hmm. good thing. Very good thing. Look at him. He got a lot of air. He got a, a ton of air. Now, uh, Kathleen from the Bronx sent me this skate park for Jesus in Lauderdale where they set up this really great uh, skate park. And they let the kids come in and use it for free, but then you got a Bible study. So, uh, you know, the guy's just like, all right, kids, you know somebody else who was a little extreme and loved to get some air? Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, that was one cat that was totally in your face. Uh, Chris... Chris in Toronto. Chris, you're on Run Fez. Yeah, hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Uh, the Radio Shack up here has been known as the source for about three or four years now. I think the source would confuse people with a black music magazine. Wasn't that the source, Hicks? <laughs> yeah, the source. <laughs> Are they still around? Yeah, they're still around, barely, though. Yeah, it's very hard for anybody to have a magazine <laughs> nowadays. Bl- Blender just died. I, <laughs> These I died are difficult days. But let me say this. Hip-hop is back. Because uh, Eminem has a disgusting song out about Mariah Carey, and all the kids are going to love it. Have you seen the song yet, Fez? Have you heard it? No, I haven't heard this. What's the name of this, Hicks? The Warning. The Warning, and basically he's warning Mariah Carey, stop telling people I didn't fuck you. I honestly did, and I'm going <laughs> to tell it right now from a, a rhyme. Now, I've never um, had any heat with this uh, guy before, but... Eminem, you know, gentlemen, you don't make up a rap song about how you had sex with somebody, particularly if they are married now. The, a lot of people, if they have sex with you and then the relationship doesn't last, uh-huh. they don't want to put out a press release. I don't think anyone could blame Miss Mariah Carey for not uh, telling everyone how good her ex-lover was in bed. And, uh, Hicks, from what I can understand, that does seem to be Slim Shady's uh, problem. Yeah, he, yes, because she's like with Nick Cannon now, and then he talks some shit about Nick Cannon, and then she released a song singing on him. Well, she's married to Nick Cannon, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so you can't expect her to come out and say a lot of kind things <laughs> about you. Now, here's the deal. If a woman sleeps with you, you don't get a medal for it. No one says, hey, fantastic. That's great. Particularly, let's face it, Eminem is not a, a child anymore. He's been around a while. We're not in high school. Do you have the song? I want to listen to a, a little bit of it, if we can. Sit back, homie, relax. In fact, grab a six-pack, kick back while I kick facts. Yeah, Dre, sick track. Perfect way to get back. Wanna hear something wick-wack? I got the same exact tat that's on Nick's back. I'm obsessed now. Oh, gee, that's supposed to be me in the video with the goatee? Wow, Mariah didn't expect it to go balls out. Bitch, shut the fuck up before I put all them phone calls out. You made it my house when you was 
wildin' out before, Nick, when you was on my dick and give you something to smile about. How many times you fly to my house, still trying to count? Better shut your lying mouth if you the one they grinding out. You probably think cause it's been so long, if I had something on you, I would've did it by now. Oh, on the contrary, Mary Poppins, I'm mixing a studio session down and sending it to mastering to make it loud. Enough curtain you to murder you, this is what the fuck I do. Mariah, it ever occurred to you that I still have pictures? However you prefer to do, and that goes for Nick too, faggot, you think I'm scared of you? You're gonna ruin my career, you better get one. Like I'ma sit and fight with you over some slut bitch cunt that maybe put up with a psycho ass over six months and only spread her legs to let me hit once. Yeah, what you gonna say, I'm lucky? Tell the public that I was so ugly that you fucking had to be drunk to fuck me. Second base, what the fuck you tell Nick Punk? In the second week we were dry humping, it's gotta count for something. Listen, girly, surely you don't want me to talk about how I nutted early cause I ejaculated prematurely and bustled over your belly and you almost started early and said I was gross. Go get a towel, your stomach's curling on Maybe you do But if I'm embarrassing me I'm embarrassing you And don't you dare say it isn't true As long as the song's getting airplay I'm dissing you I'm a hair away from getting carried away And getting sued I was gonna stop at 16 That was 32 This is 34 bars We ain't even 30 right, Let's uh, let's stop here uh, and we're right across the hall From Shady 45 So what he's bragging about He's with her for six months He's only slept with her once And he busted nut early <laughs> And she's a slut bitch cunt yeah, I got that part of it. Obviously, she is. Yeah, there's no sort of like uh, musical code or anything. He's just really specific. Musical code? What do you mean by that, Fez? But, I mean, he's not like, you know, we have to figure out the lyrics to see exactly what he's talking about. Yes, there's no musical code. <laughs> Normally, a song will have a musical code that we will all <laughs> sit and listen to. Uh, in this case, I busted not early on you, Mariah Carey. Uh, and then uh, next name uh, came up. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I-, I will say this: we talked about Jay Z yesterday for being great at getting press. Eminem's fucking perfect at it. He has been getting press through his fights for so many years. He's kind of the fucking Trent Reznor of hip hop, where he's got uh, everybody else has to be involved in it. But you got to give him credit. Why you know people are talking about an Eminem song. Um, Ryan Carey probably uh, uh, not too happy about it. Here is Zach. Zach in Philly. Hey, how's it going, Ronnie? Yeah. I got an Ichiban for you. What's your Ichiban? Got a CNN reporting a girl suing her college over not getting her a job when she graduated. Graduated with a 2-7 and immaculate attendance. Yeah, I, I, let's hire her. Let's get her. She sounds <laughs> fantastic. I was looking for a 2-8, but she's got a 2-7. You ain't going to beat it. I don't know any. I don't know any college who says we guarantee a fucking job at the end of this. I've never heard of this. They should just hire on at the school. Let her answer phones for a bit. That's my two thousand nine, honey. If you got a job, it ain't fucking guaranteed. Look, nobody's more in the bubble right now than fucking Dave McDonald. Everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Is fucking worried about themselves. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, let me go over here to Francis in Iowa. Hey, Ron and Fez. We got Ichiban here in Iowa. Michael Jackson is not dead yet. His uh, carousel from Neverland is going to c- come to the Sweet Corn Festival here in Iowa this week. So the, the carousel... <laughs> Is touring fuzzy. We would call them a merry-go-round where I grew up, but I guess Carousel is the uh, name. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially if it, it's one with horses on it. What one doesn't have horses? 
I think you can you can have other ones that uh, I think anything that goes around is a merry-go-round. But if it has horses, it's well, a carousel. What else would you have besides horses? I've only I've never been on anything but uh, but horses. You could have seats. You could have um, yeah. There's seats for old people, but uh-huh. you still gotta have horses in between, right? Right. But there's also the ones that like on the playground that don't have anything on them. Well, I'm not. Th- I'm not talking about the ones in a park. Oh, okay. Is there is there any of those that don't have horses? Um, no, I doubt that. Because I've seen some before with elephants and zebras and shit. I'm wondering if that's still a carousel. Maybe if that's what you were talking about. Um, here is um, is uh, Tom. Tom, you're on the Ron Fest show. Hey, uh, you guys talk about Eminem. Are you guys uh, up on those rumors about all the plastic surgery? And is it very noticeable, all the plastic surgery he supposedly had? To you, Fez, since you're an expert on that? Uh, we don't really keep up on everything with Eminem. I don't know whether you did or not, but... Apparently, this new song is going to be a, a huge hit as he goes after uh, Miss Mariah Carey. And uh, he wants her to explain to the world that, yes, uh, she was with him and that he did bust nut early and she had to get a towel because he busted nut so early. I really don't think there's anything left for Mariah to add. Um. Here's Eric in Colorado. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you guys remember back a few months here, uh, the little controversy between the WWE and the Denver Nuggets over a schedule conflict during the playoffs? Yes, well, I do remember that. Well, the WWE is fucking the fans of Colorado now. Um, at the time that the event was rescheduled, they said there would be no refunds, but you had to exchange your ticket. Well, now they've reversed it. They're giving refunds, no exchanges. And back in uh, May, when they were offered a smaller venue, which was only about 5,000 feet smaller, and the event was not sold out at the time anyhow, they declined the smaller venue. Well, the event's been rescheduled for this Friday to a smaller venue. Uh, Eric, maybe if I was some message board fucking guy, (laughs) I would love this story. I just, I could give two shits. Here's Tony in Brooklyn. Tony, what do you got for me, brother? I used to uh, work, in, work in sales, and Sony Music was one of my accounts, and uh, I sold IT, and I was talking to the IT guy one time about Tommy Mottola and Mariah Carey. So Tommy Mottola sends this guy and three other guys via helicopter from 55th Street out to his house in the Hamptons. And they're under strict orders, if Mariah comes out, whatever, do not, under any circumstances, you know, just scurry. Don't, don't acknowledge that she's there, whatever. So there's one guy, he's a wise-ass, and he's like, Hey, uh, Mariah, you got a drink of water? It's kind of hot out here. 45 minutes later, boom, 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 here comes a helicopter. Picks this guy up, right back to the city he goes, and he got canned. You know, I think uh, always the rumor was when Tommy Mottola was with her, he tried to keep her under glass. And maybe she was a bit better off. Then she wouldn't be getting busted not early by Eminem. The guy who asked for the water should write his own song. Kate in Staten Island. Hey, Ron. Um, the funny thing about the whole Eminem and uh, Mariah Carey thing was it happened in, like, 2001. Mm-hmm. Like, Eminem was rapping about her on Eminem show, and that album came out in, like, the summer of 2002. So he still can't let it go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been so long. And the relationship was apparently only, like, six months, and six years later he's still talking about it. Yeah, I don't know what some guys want. When something is over, the woman is not going to give you credit. 
She's not going to say, hey, a couple years ago, I was with this guy who was fucking tremendous in bed. <laughs> this stuff, it's, you're building a sandcastle. It's not going to fucking last. But at the same time, she's writing songs about him, and she did that video where she dressed like him. It's not like she's oh, no, you know, moving past it. Yeah, either. I mean, all these people, they do this for one reason, publicity. This is fucking wrestling. This is what it's become now. So good. They can both fucking sit and do these songs back and forth. I honestly uh, don't give a shit, but he should try not to uh, bust not early. All right. Uh, little uh, Jessica Simpson in trouble again. Uh, this time it's with the Native Americans. During an interview with TMZ, Jessica Simpson uh, was asked whether she wanted her ex-lover, uh, uh, Tony Romo, to return a boat she bought him. And she said, no, I'm not an Indian giver. Now the Indians are mad at her. Of course they are. Yes, it's very derogatory. You can't say the word Indian giver. No, you can't say Indian giver. Why not? It's derogatory against Native Americans. I don't even know. If we're they supposed fucking scalped people. <laughs> Let's not act like they didn't fucking, that they were the best people ever. Indian giver is a fucking term. You know what gypped means, Fezzi? Like I got gypped. What's that? That's the gypsies. Dutch treat is uh -huh. making fun of the fucking Dutch people. The scotch get made fun of. How come we can't fucking ever bust balls anymore? If you look at the history, too, they didn't always hold to their bargains. Neither do we. We should say <laughs> fucking American giver. That's fine. Every time we signed a treaty with them, then we attacked. The Native Americans feel they were screwed over by the white settlers so much that they don't want it to the, continue. What, what are they called? The Native Americans. How could they be Native Americans when there wasn't any in America at the time? Well, then I guess they're just natives. Don't say that. The natives. Or if they insist on... Uh... Guess what? They weren't even called Indians. They were, they were fucking... They didn't call themselves Indians. They were called Indians because the fucking Italians were too stupid to know where they got off the boat. So they shouldn't. They're have like, "Hey, we're in India. This is fucking great. <laughs> India is great." Now Jessica Simpson came back and said she's allowed to say it. She, uh, in her second interview, she screamed, "I'm an Indian." She's right. She's allowed to say it. You're allowed to fucking say things, Matt in Arizona. Hey, Ronnie, uh, I go down to some of the reservations for work, and uh, the word Indian is very derogatory towards them. I used it once, you know, coming from the Northeast, and uh, it wasn't uh, taken on too favorably. So. Mm. All right, by the way, Lily wants me to know Mariah Carey, and that's – Lily loves Mariah Carey. Uh, Lily sees herself as the young Mariah Carey. <laughs> Says that – Sound like two years younger. Mariah Carey – is selling ads in her new CD package. Just an FYI. We're living in a crazy fucking, uh, fucking place now. Uh, John in South Carolina. Hey, Ronnie, that last guy is full of shit, man. They, uh, they don't even want to be called Native Americans anymore. They want to be called American Indians. But uh, that term's not in reference to Indians. It's in reference to the Americans that gave them the land and then took it back. It doesn't have shit to do with the Native Americans. Alright, uh, here's what I would do. Ask me, I'm right here. Ask me if I'm going to give uh, Tony Romo's boat back. Alright, you gave Tony Romo a huge boat. You want it back? You going to give it back? What do I look like? A casino owner? Huh? What do I look like? I sell cheap cigarettes? 
I look like I own a bingo parlor? No, let him keep the fucking boat. Is that better? Is that the fucking names we need to call them? <laughs> we give them free fucking gambling, but that's not enough? I want to open up a casino. It's fucking crazy time. They want to open up a casino? Yeah, do it tomorrow. Uh, Storf, if that's the name. Storf. Yep, this is Storf. How you doing, Ron? What can we do for you? I just you? want to make a comment about the Mariah Carey Eminem thing. Mm -hmm. You had said that he hasn't let it go, but she released a song a couple weeks ago starting the whole thing off where she went at him. You guys should try take a listen to that. Uh, what's her song called? Uh, now nah, I can't help you with that part. But, um... So you're saying she fucking deserves whatever she gets. I think it's I mean, called she, Sticky she Belly. She went at him, calling him a joke and making fun of him and this and that, her and her husband, and this was his retaliation. Uh, Joe, uh, in New Jersey, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fezzy. How you doing? What can we do for you? Uh, my wife's an elementary school teacher, and they tell her that they can't even say sit Indian style anymore. I now remember it's crisscross we applesauce. I remember when we were told, all right, we want all you kids to sit Indian style. And everyone knew exactly what it was. I still know what it is. I still say it. I know what an Indian giver is, too. But now it's uh, derogatory. To who? Uh, the Native Americans. Well, I thought that they weren't, there wasn't America when they were here. They didn't want to join America. The indigenous people. First of all, are they Americans? Or they own their own separate fucking uh, reservation. Well, I think yeah, I think they're uh, yeah, I think they're part of you know um, Indian nations. Right. Not so why are they Native Americans? Because that's what the continent's called. Oh, so they're Native Americans like North Americans, not part of fucking America. Right. Yeah. That's I don't what see I think. the Canadians calling themselves Americans. I don't see the Mexicans calling themselves Americans. The fucking Bluebellies call themselves American. <laughs> Yankee Joes. We're the Americans. Bunch of fucking crybabies. Everybody's crying over a fucking name. Every time I uh, come around now, Arkansas uh, made it illegal to put cartoons on cigarette lighters. Um, they don't want a cartoon... On a cigarette lighter. Because a child could see that and start smoking. Hicks, you believe where we fucking live now? I just want to kill myself. You just know, throw myself out a fucking window. I wanted to use my little cartoon man to be a fucking uh, cigarette smoker. Snoots? I want baby snoots, little snoots, to smoke cigarettes and say to kids, Hey, kids, smoke up. You look really cool. <laughs> they never fucking explain that to fucking kids. They tell you, oh, don't smoke, it's bad for you. But they also should say this. Don't smoke unless you want to hang out with the cool kids. Because that's who's fucking smoking. Did you have to do this uh, when you went into the bathroom in your school? It's cool. You had to say, in my <laughs> school, you had to say it's cool. So everybody knew that you weren't a teacher or a fucking principal walking in. <laughs> or people would flick their fucking cigarettes in a toilet. We would uh, smoke on the roof at uh, my high school. It was great. It wasn't your uh, high school. They told you on the first day there was a pool up there, and then you went up and got stuck, and then later you and your computer buddies had to hack the planet. <laughs> we hacked the Gibson. What do you get the fucking... You got to stand on top of a fucking school? How many flights? Eight. It was... Uh... You're lucky people weren't chucked off there. 
There was also an apartment up there for the, well, the old principal used to live. <laughs> that's fucking, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. Sounds haunted. Uh, here is uh, Drew. Drew, you're on the hey. face. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, you guys remember what the Indian burn was, where that came from. Yeah, remember the Indian burn, Fez? Let me show you how it went. What was the Indian burn? You take a wrist. You take a wrist like this, right? Yeah. And you just... Ow! 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 You're rubbing the hair off of it! Ow! Ow! Get it? And the slap is a part of it? No, I just did that because oh. was... Look how red my wrist is! Uh, here is, uh, Mike. Mike, you're on the fence. Hey, um, I'm calling about the, uh, the Indians being called Indians because they thought they landed in, in India thing. It's actually something that George Carlin wrote about in one of his books. It's completely, it's a big misconception. Um, well, hold on, George Carlin never yeah, made a mistake in his life. It's actually from a different language, um, and it, it meant something like people of the light. I don't have the book right in front of me because I'm on the road. You but, know, I had um, Russell Means on my show years ago, and he was one of the guys from Wounded Knee, and he told uh -huh. me that Indians was a good fucking name, that they liked it. He, he, oh, everybody with their minority groups, they go back and forth. How could an Indian be offensive? Well, should hmm. Indiana... Changed their fucking name to Native American, Anna. Maybe they don't like India. Um, here is uh, Dan in Michigan. Hey, yeah, Ron. Uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, Native Americans aren't really actually Native any more than what we're Native because it's a matter of timing. They migrated over from China, and some of the dumb ones stopped in uh, frozen tundra land and decided to be Eskimos, and some right. moved further down to become... Native Americans, some move further down and become South Americans. So they just got here before we did. Yeah, we're all just people. We're all just fucking people. Why make such a big deal out of it? And stop with the fake outrage. Stop acting like every fucking term is offensive. All they ever want to do is fucking take a pair of scissors and go through the goddamn language with it. They want everybody walking on eggshells like it fucking matters. Fake outrage. Some of the tribes refused to use $20 bills because Andrew Jackson was such a, an Indian hunter, killer, murderer, that, you know, they won't use a $20 bill. It was a fucking war. All right? You don't like the fucking bills, don't use any of them. What do I care? You want to fucking be strong? Win the war. Win the fucking war. Now, this always gets to me about you, Fezzi. You want them to have all these fucking things, right? Sure. Yet, the South, in the Civil War, they want their fucking flag. Oh, somehow that's offensive. How many fucking Grant killed all those Southerners? No one acts like he wasn't a fucking hero. Everybody gets shit on. Everybody fucking takes a shot. I will give this to the redneck. Unlike every other fucking minority out there, you keep a sense of humor about yourself. You might be dumb as dirt and a sister fucker, but you get it. You know it's just ball busting. You're not fucking falling down crying, acting like a victim. And nobody has fucking been victimized more than those West Virginia fucking meth heads. They're a bunch of fucking hideous goddamn inbreds. But what do they do? The best they can. You don't see them going around blaming everybody else. And oh, I heard the word redneck, so I started fucking crying. 
Stop acting like these are the fucking uh, important things. Uh, here's uh, James in Maryland. James. Yeah, John and Eight uh, plus eight last night. Bess and her have a lot in common. She can't understand why the marriage is still in the crapper, and she wouldn't admit any problems. And Fez, even though he's spending forty grand a year on seeing a shrink, isn't making any progress. They have a lot in similarity, Ronnie. I don't say it myself. I wasn't trying to put up a tent for my eight kids last night. I didn't see the show. That was the only part I saw of the second new one. Now that they're back. I think if knowing if you've got any kind of mental disability... The one way to figure out is if you're watching that stupid show. <laughs> I know the guys moved to the Upper West Side. <laughs> now I mean, I you it, couldn't get further away from those fucking kids. Now I guess it's Kate trying to do things on her own to show that she's really working much harder than John. Mm-hmm. She's like everyone else. Half the fucking country's divorced. Why does everyone care about this one? Everyone cares about these fucking people being divorced. They don't care about their own brothers being divorced. Who gives a shit? Uh, it's all fucking just jive. It's constant fucking jive. Uh, Ron in Georgia. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, the reason that Indians and blacks find these names offensive is... People come in, you decimate their whole society. You come in, ruin their families, their whole culture, their way of life. Then you give them these titles and refer to them as these titles. If you are a Native American, I'm not an Indian. So I don't like to be referred to as one because you came here, took over, ruined my life and my family, and now this is what you decide to call me. My fucking people were mixed. They came here as fucking, uh, uh, fucking slaves too. They were indentured fucking servants. Very few people, here. very few people in the history of the United States have ever been running the fucking show. Period. Everybody's been fucking shit on. Everybody. You think the Jews came here big time? You think the Italians didn't come here in the belly of a fucking boat? Fucking first thing they did. They got. They had two fucking options when they got here: mix cement or teach a fucking monkey to dance to the organ. Yet somehow, all these people are considered upper class. You've only really had the top one percent, period, throughout the country. And don't act like the one percent of white people are good to the rest of white people. They ain't. They shit on them. Everybody gets shit on. Wipe the shit off you. Keep fucking moving. That's what your grandparents did. That's what you got to fucking do. Stop the... F you got plenty of things to fucking be pissed about. Words is not one of them. Stop fucking whining all the time. Here is... Um, here's Mike. Mike, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, say I live in western South Dakota. I'm surrounded by seven Indian reservations, all Sioux. One of them happens to be your Russell Means' Indian reservation. And one thing really pisses me off about the whole uh, took my land uh, statement that almost all Indians make, and or Native Americans, or whatever you want to call them. And here in South Dakota, years ago, century ago, 
uh, it was all supposedly owned by the Ree Indian. The Sioux came in and completely wiped out the whole Ree tribe. There isn't a Ree Indian in existence anymore. Yeah, it's not like the Indians were all getting along great with each other and they were being kind. They were doing the same shit as the goddamn Europeans did when they were fucking Stone Age idiots. <laughs> Going around raping, taking, doing whatever they wanted to do. And let me tell you something else. Just because you're a minority doesn't make it right. The fucking Jews were the minority. Were they ever good to the blacks? No. Treat them like shit. Blacks were the minority. Did they ever give the gays a helping hand up? Fuck no. All these things, as soon as you get into this, you see yourself so special inside your little group. You think it's better than being an American? Oh, I'm a blah, blah, blah American? Well, American is supposed to be the fucking strong part of that word. If you don't fucking embrace that, I don't care whether you're a gay American or an Indian American or a black American or an Italian American, Irish American. As soon as you start to fucking hyphenate, you're cutting other people the fuck out. Stop making a big fucking deal like your people are the chosen special ones. You're just a bunch of fucking atoms thrown together like everybody else. Uh, Stuart in Ohio, you're in Manifest. Hey, guys. One of the definitions of Native American is somebody that's born in America. So, you know, we could be of Polish descent or Irish descent, German descent, but once you're born here... You're Native American, and you're you're entitled to the to, to that title and to that land as much as as much as people of Cherokee descent. And I think you know you're right when you get, when you start getting into that hyphenated Americanism, is it, it divides people more than unites us. Well, when I hear a lot of the people saying this stuff, this was our land. We used to have all this land. Guess what? Like everybody else in the world, you should have fucking held it. You should have learned how to build a cannon. So when the fucking ships came sailing up, you would have sank the first fucking ten motherfuckers. Instead of just laying out, fucking chasing buffalo around, why don't you invite some, invent some fucking paper, some pens, a slide rule, and start thinking of some fucking defense. You didn't have shit ready. Ships rolled up, and you weren't fucking ready. At least get a gun. I mean, the bone How arrow. about this? Thunder stick. But a pair of fucking shoes. Stop fucking just wrapping hide around your feet and act like you're fucking wearing shoes. Put a shirt Maybe on. then you would have been ready. Motherfuckers hadn't even come up with a whistle. Nothing. They the like, simplest shit ever. They like wearing pants. I mean, it's the fucking 1400s. You don't have a fucking uh, wheelbarrow. There's no levy fucking system. I don't even think they had the wheel. And they were all pretty brutal on each other, too. The way I see it, you had thousands and thousands of fucking years to get ready. And all you did was chillax. Adam. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ron, I just don't understand your anger. I don't understand the need for, like, this European white, like, suffering. You need to, like, equate yourself with their suffering. The fact is that southern rednecks didn't... 
they chose to go to war with the North. The fact is that Irish people chose to come to this country and go through this shit. Adam, guess did. what? All the suffering yeah, I'm talking about, Jews. no matter, oh, Adam, American listen for one thing. None of us fucking suffered. The redneck in the South didn't suffer. The Irish guy in New York didn't fucking suffer. That happened hundreds of years ago. They chose that that would be part of their lives, to suffer. But this, That's what they no. made that choice. You know who fucking suffers? Human beings. It's a fucking place of suffering. It happens to everybody. But you don't get extra fucking... You don't get extra points because your ancestors suffered. That's not your fucking suffering. Any more than it's every human being's suffering what happened in the fucking past. It's insane that somehow you get extra, extra fucking shits for something happened when you weren't here. Hundreds of years before you were here. And then you get to say, oh, Jesus Christ, look at, look at everything I've been through. That's like fucking Italians. You think that they get to walk around. Uh, uh, Italian in fucking Jersey. He should be proud of the Coliseum. <laughs> he didn't have jack shit to do with it. He didn't have fucking nothing to do with it. Uh, my fucking problem is not this, not acting like, oh, uh, people didn't suffer. Obviously, they did. Every fucking group suffered and mainly suffered out of fucking stupidity of dividing each other up. Just constantly acting like my group happens to be the special group. I got to fucking hear about, oh, gay Americans have given... You suck the dick. What does that make you fucking special? You can't even do it as good as a woman. Talk about fucking suffering. Women have never been on fucking top. They got half the fucking population. They still can't come up with a fucking president for themselves. Hillary still got fucking handed her lunch. She didn't have Every, a cock. Oh, everybody suffers. Oh, we've all been through so much. God forbid. God forbid. Something happened 400 years ago, and now I'm fucking depressed about it. Sweet suffer? Oh, all those other people fucking wanted to come. You know, first of all, most of the people that came to this country, they didn't necessarily want to. They were fucking chased out of someplace else. You think fucking people from uh, Ireland, if they had any money, would have left Ireland to fucking come over here and wash people's floors? You think that was like, you know what? I got a beautiful fucking home here in Ireland. I got a farm. Uh, here's a weird thing. My fucking father's family, my father's side of the family, uh -huh. has been in this goddamn country for the, since the 1600s. And in some fucking way... And 400 years, they still couldn't come up with a fucking uh, farm for themselves. They still couldn't come up with a business. They got here first. You would have think I would have been fucking heir to Ohio. Move out. Get a big Ponderosa for yourself. Still, those people didn't come up with shit to own. My father never was left nothing. I'm not going to be left anything. It's just no big fucking deal. Your time is when you're fucking here. Everything that came before you was history. And if you want to say I'm held back, 
because of this, that, and the other, and that's your fucking choice. I'm not going to fucking tell you what to do. All right, we got to uh, break here. Went too far long in the first hour. Uh, Sleeves has a uh, brand new song. Uh, coming up a little later on the show, our interview with uh, Bonnie Raitt and Taj Maha. That tour is uh, also going on this summer, and it's going to be a great blues tour. Uh, if you get the opportunity, these two are both fabulous in concert. And also, uh, Hicks has promised us he was going to solve the argument we had yesterday. Since 1960, who's had the most TV series? Doctors, cops, or lawyers? Right back. It's the Ron Show. You and I both know that the system wasn't ready for this kind of epidemic. Crack came on the scene and spread like wildfire. But now I got the mayor and the governor on my back. I need some results. Fast. You get me Nino Brown. I'll do respect, sir. You still don't get it. You're talking about a war out there that you're losing. You're not going to give me what I need to win. I need some cops to know these things. I need some new jack cops to take down a new jack gangster. It is true. We need new jack cops. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Fez, I just wanted to comment on something about last Friday's show. Uh-huh. When uh, Dave, uh, on Friday, when he was taking pot shots at Travis's wife, uh, Lisa. Right. And then his little buddy Sam came in. I should have flattened both their noses. And uh, I let them run on and play, you know, baby club for a while. Uh, I'm kind of pissed that I did that. I'm pissed at myself that I did not, I was not the gentleman and did not uh, stand up and uh, protect her against uh, the blind attack. Uh, one that she wasn't ready for. Oh, yeah. And while she was, you know. Standing out there with a baby in her hands. Well, I mean, not even so much for there, but for letting anything uh, take place on the air. Uh, I should have stepped up. Instead, I was seeing where it went, playing radio games, and I, I should have been uh, a gentleman. And I'll say this, Fez, so should have you. You also should have been the same thing. So uh, I know Lisa doesn't want to be part of uh, radio games, and I don't blame her. But I'll just say the next time... Um, I'll play. I'll play a different role. Okay. I'll, I'll be a man, and you'll be Boy Wonder. You'll be ready, like I'm uh, right there at my side, and uh, we'll knock Sam and Dave down. Uh, and I would, uh, at least of course, invited on here anyway. I'd even make Dave stay home that day. No different in work rate. Uh, or if she wanted to come in with Baby Girl and Angel one day, it would be uh, a pleasure to have them all. We don't have to talk about that stuff. You just have a little uh, party on the air here one day, but always invite it. And in, in hindsight, uh, I should have stood up. I feel bad that I did not. I talked to her about that last night. And uh, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez Show. Chris Stanley, uh, you were going to work this out for us last night. We were in a great debate. Uh, by the way, I could not uh, sleep last night and ended up watching Maverick reruns from, I guess, <laughs> the 50s, 1950s? I would think so, yeah. James Garner was fantastic. He was so... Actors today do not have the smoothness that James Garner had. Maverick was one of the great uh, TV shows. Remember, they redid that as a movie. 
Yeah, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson and um, Jodie Foster. She's an amazing actor because she and that acted like she was attracted to Mel Gibson. <laughs> it's got to be tough, right? Like for a gay guy to pretend that they're with a woman or a, a gay woman to pretend that they're with a man. I would think so because to me, I would think, where's your reference? I mean, in any sort of acting, I think you have to pull some emotion yeah, from somewhere, about, right? I mean, they, what about Star Wars? You got less <laughs> reference uh, to that than you went to Star Wars. What do you see then over there, uh, Dave? Then continue to. You sit there and seethe. You can sit there and see. You, you continue to seethe. I'm not seething. Hmm. I'm looking at your face. I see. Uh, what? I got uh, my eye got dug out today by my daughter, so it's affecting my whole fucking. Right. Well, you thing. sit down then, and, and you act like that's what's happening with you, because I'm not fezzy, big man. All right. That'll be a whole fucking different thing. I ain't fucking fezzy, and I ain't playing that part for even a second. Uh, you were looking over cops. Lawyers or um, what was the other one, Fez, we had? Uh, cops, lawyers, and doctors. doctors. yeah. You said more doctor shows than anything else. That's what I think. Yeah, the medical show's got to be king. Chris Stanley picked cops, and then I uh, I took lawyers just so we'd, we'd all be covered. <laughs> I wanted to make sure everybody was covered here. And remember, I'm going to give you this. Cops does not include private detectives. And put law and order down is also a law. Oh. There's just as much law as there is order. All right. I'll make some book adjustments. All right. Give me the numbers. All right. Coming in third, since 1960, there have been 43 medical shows on television. Wow, Fezzi. So you came in third. Wow. I am shocked that there have only been. I mean, it seems like you get. Five to six new medical shows every fall. What do you think? How do you only get forty-four in that? In what that do you think has been the biggest in the last forty years? ER. I don't think so. You don't think so? I think Marcus Welby was even bigger. That I was think when, huge. When Marcus Welby was king, that uh-huh. was like the number one show, <laughs> and it was just a family practitioner. He didn't do shit. Marcus Welby. He was just like, well, uh, here, why don't you take these aspirins and call me later? Um. All right, so you're looking happy, so I guess I'm for the second. 49 lawyers show since 1960. Okay. And uh, adjusting for law and order, there's probably about 135 cop shows since <laughs> wow. 1960. So, uh, Fezzi, not even close. No. Now, you include detective shows? It's Because it's, it's, I don't think you deserve Mannix. No. Really? That's a I private think... detective show. Same with Barnaby Jones. Any of your Quinn Martin productions, really. Now let's just drop down to an even hundred. <laughs> I don't know. Of, I have a list of all it's eight pages uh, of cop shows. All right, give me a couple because I want to hear how many private detectives you have. Go to the seventies. Well, cop shows destroyed. Yeah, destroyed the other two. And I'm wondering if I got ripped off on any sort of nurse or hospital shows or something. Just if he just went by things named doctor. <laughs> that was medical hospital. All right, hold on. Here you go, right off the bat. BJ and the Bear was a cop show? It was a trucker show. What the fuck are you doing? It was a monkey show. Uh, America's Most Wanted? Come on, dude. That's a fucking reality show. Totally. Cagney and Lacey, they were cops. Yep. Motherfucker. Uh, Columbo, was he a cop? He was a detective. Yeah, I think he was a a, uh, police detective. 
I don't think these were all cop shows. Does they have Father Nick- Dowling Mysteries. He was a detective. He was a fucking PI, right? Yeah, it was a priest. <laughs> Tom Bosley. All right, you got Judge Judy as one of yours. Oh, come on. If anything, that's a law show. You got Judd for the defense down here. That's a, a fucking show. law show. Oh, the deck has been stacked. And he's got every law and order is just belonging to him. No, that, that counted for law, too. Magnum P.I. is not a... He wasn't was a he, cop. He was, he was, he was a, a cop. He, he was, was a private investigator. Right. You're on the outside of the law. The law is trying to stop him. That's around law and order, though. That's bullshit. You can't be trusted. Fuck. Mannix is down there. <laughs> of course. Matlock. Where's murder, she wrote? Um, is on here. As a cop. Yeah. She was a fucking writer. She things. And the, your show would be called Cop She Is. I want all the fucking <laughs> non-cop shows... I'm going to put you in uh, charge of this, Fezzi. I want every fucking non-cop show taken out. I will go through that list. I'll use his list and give you proper numbers. Uh, here is um, John. John, you're on my Fez. Hey, what's up? I was just calling to see what you thought about General Hospital being the biggest medical show in history. General Hospital. Uh, soap opera show. You know, quite frankly, it took place in a hospital, and they talked about people dying or getting transplants. Right. But you never saw any real medical work take place there. No. It I mean, was, that could have been an airport. Yeah, it was just, oh, here's where everybody I know works. Yeah. And for some reason, they act like doctors are attractive, and in mm-hmm. real life, they're not. On TV, they are. real life, they're not at all. I don't think I've ever had a good-looking doctor. What about Dr. Steve? Dr. Steve is a pretty good-looking. Really? Oh, yeah. That fucking shocks me. Yeah, he's attractive. Why don't you pick him after he fucking tried to give you the retarded inbred? <laughs> uh, Joe in Strong Island. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. I'm uh, looking for some input uh, on Quincy. Would you consider that a medical show? He was a corner, but on the other hand, it was also kind of a See, private... See, I'd give that the same law and order treatment. Uh, Everybody gets a bump on that. Yeah, right, because, I mean, he is working with the police department. Well, he's a cop. Right, yeah, he's got a badge. Yeah, Quincy's a cop, but it's also a medical show. Uh, Brad, you're on Fez. Hey, buddy, I got a, both a, co- or a lawyer and medical show, the, the Cosbys. Cliff was the doctor and uh, Claire was the lawyer. Uh, all right, good, good point there. Brian, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, I think you're missing the, the biggest uh, medical show of all time. has got to be MASH. It was a goddamn big one. Oh, yeah. ER, MASH, uh, ran forever. ER, never, nowhere near as big as MASH, though. It ran longer, uh-huh. but never was as big as MASH. MASH was gigantic. Um, Shay, you're on running first. Hey, you guys, I love you, everybody, except for Dave. But anyways, hey, man, Barney Fife and Andy Griffith show is the best cop show ever. Throw a little comedy, and you got yourself a winner. Uh, yeah, I think Andy Griffith could be considered, I mean, it's really a, 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 you know, a kind of sitcom first and foremost. Right. I mean, he did do some cop work. There was a lot of cop work involved. I think as much as Barney Miller being a cop show. Yeah, I agree there, because I don't really consider Barney Miller a cop show any more than fucking, you know, Archie Bunker was a show about a guy who worked uh, (laughs) on a loading dock. dock. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Does Julia, the nurse, count as a uh, medical show? Well, the point is, for some reason, it's just about, you know, the jobs, not what they do with it. Right. But my problem is a private detective is not a cop. He can't make an arrest. It's wrong to put them in the cop things. And it's wrong just to let Wikipedia do your work for you. You still have got to go out and figure out things beyond that. And here's the thing. It's not like you were scratching for answers there either. There's plenty of cop shows out there over the years. Dragnet, 1 Adam 12, they're, they exist. You've got numbers. Well, even when we take out the numbers that we have, uh-huh. I think they're still going to win. It's just not going to be the runaway three-time hit as this fucker's <laughs> letting on. Dan, you're on my face. Yeah, uh, what about CSI? Is that a cop show or a medical show? CSI probably fits into both, but my problem with that is they never solve the crimes. Uh, you know, an old-time cop show would save people. Uh-huh, yeah. This fucking thing already starts with a failure. A person is dead at the beginning of every CSI. I find them unwatchable. I can't sit there and feel good. We found out eventually who murdered the little girl. Saved the little girl the way Mannix used to. Hey, G-String, you're on Fez. Uh, yeah, isn't St. Elsewhere the biggest uh, medical show? St. Elsewhere was a big one. Um, here is Bill. Bill, what do you got? Big ass, 29 What can I do for you? Hey, uh, Ronnie, would you consider the Abe Bogota spinoff, uh, Fish, a cop show off of Barney Miller? You know, again, it was a sitcom first and foremost. He said he, he was a cop, but who believed him? And they took him out of the precinct for that show. It was him and all his foster children. Gavin, you're on the fence. Hey, what's going on? What about 21 Jump Street? Johnny Depp was on that show when it first came out. What about it? I don't know. A couple of... Just a show. Yeah, it was just a show. Sitting jack to it. It's fucking ridiculous. They should do it the other way, where they have cops that look much older than they really do, looking for crime in retirement communities. And uh, 21 Jump Street, I don't know, it just, they never seem like they fit in enough to actually uh, work undercover. Bob, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, where would you put Monk in these categories? P.I. Um, yeah, he's not a cop. He is not a cop. Uh, Seth, whoops, we lost you. Here is uh, Mayo, you're on Running Fest. Hey, buddy. Huh. How about uh, emergency, a little... Squad 51, John Gage, Roy DeSoto, that's a classic medical. Uh, here is uh, Ken, Ken in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, Doogie Hauser. what's it all about? Doogie Hauser would be a medical show. Medical course, finishing third, uh, behind lawyer and a fake amount of cop shows. Put together by Pepper Hicks. You know what this is, Fuzzy? What's that? She wants to make you look like an idiot. Oh, sure. She yeah. wants to make you come in third. Not only was I wrong, I was so very wrong. Like Just by stacking the numbers. Stupidest person in history. Like, I, like I'm like i too dumb to even own a TV. You're not that dumb, are you? Well, you still got the same uh, TV from the fucking early 90s. Oh, yeah. You're I got, that dumb. I got my big tube. <laughs> Why? Well, it's still working. There's no, I, you know, I had problems with it before. I got it fixed. I'm all set. Franklin just said General Hospital. 
happens to be the oldest show on TV. Well, A, it's not. And B, you need to get out during the day, Franklin. And you need to upset, update the RBI site. Has he done it yet? He has not added the newest ones, but he's added other ones we talked about. Well, how hard is it to put up a picture? I don't What's know. he call that kind of thing that he does to the site? Oh, uh, it's up- got some kind of no, not that. What he does with the pictures? Photoshopping. No, he kind of makes them golden. It's yeah, got, uh, he has a technique to it. Sepian? Yeah, he, he makes them all sepia. That's his thing. That's his addition. You know how this would look good? Sepia. Uh, we got Franklin's movie coming up, Fezzi, and I am uh, excited about it. It's last night in Brooklyn, and the screening is August 29th. It's going to be at 8 p.m. at the Anthology Film Archives on 2nd Avenue in New York City. The NYC screening of Last Night in Brooklyn, August 29th. If you want tickets, go to cypherproductions.com or lastnightinbrooklyn.com. Now, I went out to a movie last night early after I left here, about 5.30. And I was the last person in the country to see whatever works. I go into an empty fucking theater, just about. Before the movie starts, two old people come and sit directly in front of us. <laughs> then start to look back at us for talking during the previews. Not even the previews, uh-huh. the commercials during the previews. And we're literally going like this. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me, outside food? You got a fucking problem with me? You got this whole goddamn theater, and you can't find another place to sit? I don't know whether, you know, some sort of just personal gravity takes over. But why do people do that? When why, why, why does he need the audio, Hicks? I sent it to him. Because you sent it to him, then he says he needs it. I sent it to him. And why would he just text me now, I need the audio? Which I don't know which audio he's talking about. Neither do I. All right, I'll, I'll That's text why him, I have I'll a producer. I'd like to see it go up even before the uh, RBIs. I'd like to know where it is. I got Bonnie Ray asking me about it. Another thing, I don't understand this. If I, I don't understand people who go to the movie theater when it's kind of empty and don't keep the aisle for themselves. You're going to fucking, there's all kinds of aisles open. Yet you want to go sit in the center and then get up later. And fucking make the people in the aisle move. Find a fucking aisle seat for yourself. You move in if you find yourself in a hideous situation. Why pick the center of the fucking theater when A, you need popcorn later, or B, you got a tiny little fucking bladder? It's because they think they've got the best view of the screen. They are center theater, and they want to keep that to themselves, and yet inconvenience everyone. It's not even like they'll do the trade-off, Ronnie, where it's like, all right, I feel like I have the best seat in the house. I'm going to stay in these seats and and not inconvenience anyone. They want both. They want the whole damn theater, concessions and bathrooms included. All right. Here's an interesting question. I had this happen the other night at Steely Dead. Now, I'm on the aisle. A guy's coming through. Uh, would you, if you were like walking through, right? If you had to make your way to the middle, uh-huh. do you give the people the ass or the balls? I give people the balls. The balls. I give people the balls. I find that fucking rude. I find it rude. I'm sitting there with the girls, and the fucking guy is coming around, <laughs> and he's fucking adjusting his cock in front of 
The girls. Hicks, which way do you go? Ass. D- uh, Dave? Ass because you don't have to look at them. If you're looking at them with your genitals, right. then that's, that's just too gay. But if you just give them your ass, you can be like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. All right. So here's three out of four. You're the only one out there, Fezzy. What makes you give people the balls? Is this a fucking sexual thing? It is not a sexual thing. It's coming off sexual. No, here's the thing. If I give the ass, then I have no idea. I'm like a truck backing up. I have no idea how close the ass is to that person. I'm trying to be polite. If I'm front ways, I can see distances and I can try to scoot in a little no. bit more and try to avoid any contact. If I you, go- if, But here's the thing. No woman wants to look at a fucking set of balls bouncing in front of her. <laughs> if you got the ass, you're leaning the balls over, you're staying tight, your way, you're taking up more room. Because let's face it, try to walk close to the counter, front ways, look how close you can get. Right. Now back ways, you don't get a lean. You have no leaning ability, and if you do lean, you stick your cock up into them. See, I'm also going for, you know, just personally, you know, less smelly parts, too. I th- you know, a stinky ass going by or... Why are you stinking? <laughs> you're out of the big fucking show. If, if you fucking walk by and you're wearing a pair of jeans and a human being can smell your ass or balls, uh-huh. you're fucking disgusting, my friend. You don't belong out. No one should be able to smell you through a pair of pants. <laughs> Sue, in New Jersey, you're, you're a mother of Hey, buddies. Um, I don't know if you guys have the, the uh, seating like we have down here in New Jersey, um, but there's all like half a row for handicapped seating. And if you're there early enough, you get to sit behind them, whether there's handicapped people or not, and you can stretch your legs out. The yeah, first that's exciting. You know what I like, yeah. too, with the bigger theaters down when you get on the rail? Oh, getting on the rail is just unfucking believable It's just the best fucking feeling in life. Um, here is uh, Marcus. And Charlene, you're on my face. Hey, I got spy report for the right. uh, Johnny K plus eight fans out there. All right, hold on. Let me give you a nice uh, spy report. Spy report. Spy report. What do you got, brother? Yeah, Johnny K plus eight. Uh, the guy John, he's just uh, stepping out with a Asian girl by the W uh, Hotel on Third Night. Right, that's right around the corner, but an Asian girl might be his mom. <laughs> Not she's too young. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Uh, here is Ed. Ed, you're on Fez. Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah. Hey, uh, Fezzy, if we're at a movie theater and you stick your balls in my face, I'm going to punch you square in the nuts, pal. All right, let's give this a try. Uh, <laughs> bring all the guys in here, and I'm going to set up a row. Okay. And let's see if, uh, if Fez gets by for a couple reasons. Number one, do we smell anything? And number two, uh, is he going to be touching us? All right, keep setting up the row. Nice work, Ronnie. You got an aisle seat. Uh, yeah, well, and actually, I beat in the middle. Right, Fez, you need to get over to your okay. uh, seat over there. So uh, come on through. This is going to be your normal way. Yeah, here I go. Disgusting. <laughs> We're balls to balls. <laughs> we are balls to balls. Then I made it. Come back the other way. Uh, huh. See, I am picking up a little ass smell. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> All right, come back this way, because I'll show you what would be happening. Ah! <laughs> I am right in the nuts. I hate this theater. 
Even Trinus yes. let the guys vote. What seemed more of a... First of all, let, let's let Alex go first because for a woman, it's tougher. What seemed like more of an affront to you? Um, I guess face-to-face. Face-to-face? It's like awkward. Face-to-face was more awkward than ass-to-face. Yeah. All right, now let's go to the home... Uh, Public eyes. Yeah, the 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 dick to dick was more uncomfortable because it felt like he was crouching over me right. rather than away from me. Yeah, that's my point. You can't do any leaning away when you're face to face with someone, or else you'll just be pushing your balls closer to them. Yeah, the dick to dick and just the awkward eye contact just doesn't work out. Yeah, and he hovers. Then yeah. it's not an uncomfortable man. He is now hovering over top of you like impending doom. See, I would think face-to-face is more polite than me sticking my fat ass in someone's face. But why wouldn't you listen to the feedback that you're getting from these gentlemen? Yeah, well, I'm explaining myself. I mean, I'm understanding it. Why don't you come over here and sit and let Dave go by? Okay. You, 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 you uh, come out with Scruff and let, let's let Dave go by. All right, go ahead, Dave. First of all, yeah, come through on the ass. This is just ass. Now, see how the ass comes by. Right. Now, turn it around and come back in the other direction. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. You don't find All right. That, but you don't find that more intimate than if he would have bumped his ass into your knee. When his crotch bumps into your knee, it's way more intimate and it's way more of a you are inside of my zone. Right. See, uh, the reason I do it the way I do it is because I'm, I feel like I'm able to control the zone a little bit more. No, you weren't. Matter of fact, with you, I was getting a lot more belly than even crutch. Really? And I was kind of, yeah. If it was your back, it does. if I got your back pushed up, I'd be like, watch it, pal. We're used to this. But someone's shoving their belly into your face. It's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disgusting. Uh-huh. I could smell, like... You know, you need to get something for the navel. You got a very deep navel, and it smells. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to go in there deep to clean it. Did you clean it today, though? Yes, I clean it every day. I fill it up with soap and water. See, that's the thing. Like soap a well. And, soap and water is not going to work for you. What you do need, I need? Need a little witch hazel in there to get rid of the odor. Oh. Because you got the soap and water uh, stagnating and staying, and it's got a scummy smell. They put your nose yeah, down there and smell his belly button. Oh. It, from six inches away, it smells bad. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's not, I, don't I, believe, I don't believe that you don't know about this. A little it's witch, like, I little, can't reach it to smell it. A little witch hazel uh, on a Q-tip. Just dab it in there. Bring it out. You're going to have a much better smell for yourself. You smell like something rancid. Like cheese. Like you washed with cheese. Yeah. Really? It's got a very cheese, bad cheese odor. How did you make it to this age and not understand how to take care of yourself? Well, I mean, you even brought up that your pants smell. I mean, you even said that. No, I was saying if you're thinking in terms of smelly body parts, ass is going to be right up there, and that's for everybody. So why would you throw your? Why would you put one of your smell? I mean, well, you like I, would, you don't wanna, I wouldn't wipe my armpit across to everybody either. Well, you you are taking your armpits, your stinking navel, and your old lady balls uh, right in front of everyone. So everything stinks on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, that's a matter of cleansing, and uh, you said you sweat a lot. Well, yeah, I do sweat a lot, but I shower. But that doesn't do you any good. You've come all the way An idea. from across town, and you're just... Right. You know, I mean, even now you're, you're sweating quite a bit. That's right. Inside, what? Inside of a building here. 
All right, we are uh, going to break. Uh, when we get back, it's a brand new sleeve song. It's the Run of Fed show. What motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Zed is dead. Serrano Fez show, that was a new sleeve song. I didn't completely understand it, but it's the best singing he's ever done. Uh, no DJ New Style this week. Is that uh, what I'm understanding from you? Yeah, he uh, had a prior work commitments, and then he's out of town next week. Gotcha. I will see him whenever uh, he's able. Uh, by the way, Mikey Boy sent me this. The all-time, uh, according to the ABA, that's the lawyer's uh, gimmick, uh, what, what did all the lawyers decide? Best loss a show of all time. I would say L.A. Law. The practice? Practice, Dave? Um, Boston Legal. Uh, here we go. Uh, number five, the practice. Way to go. Out of all time, you hit a top uh, ten. Uh, four. This is surprising because I would have picked this. I would have thought the lawyers would have picked this as number one, uh, Law and Order. Three. Goes old school, the Defenders. Two, uh, Perry Mason. And number one all time is L.A. Law. Way to rock it. Beating out Perry Mason. Uh, uh, Judge Sotomayor said that she got into law because of how much she loved Perry Mason when she was a kid. That's a fun fact, Fezzy, and I appreciate the fun facts. All right, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. I never had a lawyer told me that L.A. Law was better than Law & Order, though. I'm absolutely uh, surprised by it, but uh, Big Fez Watley, once again, uh, hits the number one. He's got the outside jumper, and he just fucking rains all day long. Uh, 6.9 uh, magnitude earthquake is shut off, uh, struck off Baja, California, Mexico. 6.9, that's one of the bigger ones, right? Yeah, huge. It's got to be absolutely frightening to be in an earthquake. I've never been in one. I can't imagine what those people go through. I mean, I've been through hurricanes, but those you have, you know, you know what's coming. You have days, maybe a week's notice that a hurricane's coming up on you. Just the ground and the building you're in starting to shake, that's got to feel insane. For the 30%, another fun fact, for the 30% of beer drinkers who say they prefer draft beer to bottled or canned, Miller Scores has debuted the Home Draft, a $20, one-and-a-half-gallon box of its biggest brands. That fits upright in the refrigerator and stays fresh for 30 days. Um, Dave, I know you're a beer drinker. Yeah, I love beer. You really feel strong about a box of beer that just sits there like this? Well, I just think that it's funny that they have uh, this new invention when boxed wine has existed for probably four decades now. But... Um, uh, but I'm, never liked. No. I mean, there's no bigger joke than a box of wine. Well, it's because of the cardboard. And that's the problem. If they can make, if this is a nice metal container, but, 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 but can we admit that this is not a keg, that this is not fucking draft beer? Hicks, are you buying for a second? It sounds fucking disgusting. Yeah, what it does. Shit? 
No, it's... Where's the pressure on it? At least with a keg, you're dealing with that. I don't know. You're it just looks... pouring beer out of a box. Well, if, it, if, if it's closed up, it'll still stay carbonated. If it's kept in the fridge, makes me feel good, homeless. Good for Miller Lite. It sounds like a big carton of milk. And, well, let's see. How big is it compared to... One like, and a half uh, gallon. One and a half gallon. So it's larger than a, a gallon of milk. Sure to take up a, a lot of space in your refrigerator. To put on the beer shelf, top shelf. And you're going to be constantly fucking with it. So, you know, the chances of you getting beer on the floor <laughs> as you're leaning over your fucking seven-eighth gone fucking box of beer. I'm so happy that they have the box of beer because it, with the, the bottles, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop on my, recy- my right, recycling bins. I, I got bins. this sent to me. Uh, box wines are trendier now. Good for picnics. Hmm. I'm still telling you you're dirt if you're drinking a box wine. <laughs> you are dirt. It's a nice container. It's a nice, easy-to-use container. I would use a uh, word of what I would think of someone drinking a box of beer, but I saw what happened when the girl said Indian gave her how much trouble uh, she came up with. Uh, what happened to the old party keg? Remember it was like a, a, like a little bubble fez? Right, yeah, yeah. They had party balls. Those, yeah. Yeah, those things came and went and it seemed to go quickly like having that big giant ball was just more trouble than it was worth and you know what i think those were i think with the plastic it was a little harder to keep cold too i don't remember ever having a really cold party ball beer it's interesting it's a really good point i don't know if the plastic would stay as cold they, they're still around but no one gets them because they just rather have a keg because there's just more beer in it you get more yeah, beer. If you're gonna go keg. for that apparatus. And keg will get ice cold for you too. Yeah. But I mean if you're gonna go for an apparatus, you just go for the keg. Don't waste your time. Unless you can fit this thing in your fridge. Oh, I can't wait for the box of one uh beer. Apparently it's it's available. I'm gonna go out and purchase it then today. And like I said, I mean I don't have to always worry about cans and bottles. Uh here is uh Bruce in Louisiana. Bruce. Once, twice, lost your buddy. Here's Dave in Texas. Ron, Fez, what's going on? What can we do for you? Well, I tell you guys, it's actually not a box. It's actually a plastic keg inside the box. A plastic make, keg. Does that make any sense? All right, so do you get a little tap with it? Yeah. It's a, I, Coors Light has one, too. And I went and got one a few weeks ago. It's, it actually stays good for a pretty long time. It's not a bad... Uh, not a bad little thing. It doesn't take up that much room in the fridge. All right, here's uh, it's like a Brita has it has a tap on it. I'm sure it's probably the same you know size. Right uh, around there. Here's an interesting uh, story here too. They say men ogle up to ten women every day. They spend an average of forty three minutes admiring girls, which adds up to a year in a lifetime. So, the easy question here is, do you check out at least 10 women a day? Davey Mack? Minimum, probably upwards of 20 to to 30 because I live in an urban area. So, you think you'll clock at least 20 women? Absolutely. Uh, Hicks? Definitely. Easy 10. It's not even a fucking question. Just walking walking from here to the train station, there's six or seven. Then women in the building... And then uh, women in Astoria when I'm walking back to my house. Do you feel like you spend at least 43 minutes a day 
yeah. just staring at a woman. Yeah, I do. Because, like, if someone's riding the subway or something, that's seven, eight minutes right there. If someone's walking and I can follow them, that could be another five to ten minutes. I think it would be even more if they would count watching the woman who's laying next to you at night. <laughs> if you're watching her sleep and you're going to double these numbers. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's not ogling a different woman. No, yeah, but I'm just saying. First of all, I don't know if I like the even the term ogle. I don't know if I say I ever ogled anyone. I find that almost disgusting. It's like a rapist term. Well, they're using that term now since the Obama ogling, yeah. the Obama ogling 09. Oh, because he uh, looked at the underage girl? So ever since then, that's the new term. Mm. You know, that's going to be everywhere. But, you know, it just shows you. I mean, if 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 he was doing it... Everyone does it. It's no big deal. And women should actually be more sensitive to that. Well, do you think women are ogling guys all day? I think women ogle guys, but know how to do it a lot more discreetly. We get caught, and then we, we get in trouble. It's not fair. Mm. See, the 10 sounds right to me, but the 43 minutes doesn't, where you're spending over four you know, minutes ogling one woman. I mean, to me, it's uh, like uh, I would think, you know, a quick check, you know, check her out, and well, then the eyes go back, where it's maybe, you know, 10 to 20 seconds tops. Well, I think it depends. If, if you're just going to check out a, a woman for like 10 to 20 seconds, then there's a lot of women to pick from. And if you're a smoker, you have that kind of time. Yeah. You're okay. Not by just walking around. But if you're standing out in front of the building having a smoke, women are going to be walking by, or they're having their lunch, or whatever they're doing. And yeah, and there it, is time. If you're at the gym, that's all you do is ogle. That's all you do. You, you that's have your really good point. Have your iPod noggle. I Me? mean, there's a lot of things that you, activities that you do, like you're saying smoking. If you just have like a little picnic on the park, in a, in a public park, you're gonna ogle. Yeah, but there you are with your whole family. You're still gonna ogle. Yeah, I'll just figure out a way to do it. I'll Even make... though you're holding your children, <laughs> I will. I'll just I'll figure out a way to do it. Hmm. You know, I'll pretend to throw things at the trash can and then stand at the trash can for a couple minutes. Uh, Terry, you're on Rana Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, all day, every day. Uh, girls drive by, peek over, check it out, all day long. I'm a girl watcher, I'm a girl watcher, Keith in Strong Island. I have to ogle at least 50 women a day. 50 a day? Every woman that I ever look at, I will look at twice and go, yes, no, maybe. So you're and actually keeping a list in your head. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. How about when we go to the beach? I mean, that's like eight hours right there just to spend the entire day. Yeah. The ogling at the beach, the side tit looks are going to be massive, or the uh, bottom of the ass cheek. Oh, God. I mean, yesterday walking home to the bus, I saw this beautiful African-American woman not wearing a bra. And so when she walked past, I could see basically her whole breast, except for her nipple, through the side of her tank top. It was the greatest day of my why, life. Why didn't you twitty it? <laughs> because she was on to me. Because I was so infatuated. She was looking at me in the eyes. But I even will we'll play a game. Like, when I go home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see ten hot chicks. Uh, Sean, you're on Fez. Uh, I think Fancy's misunderstanding that. If he reads it again, I don't think it's 43 minutes of look, and I think it's 43 minutes of thinking about the women that you've looked at. Let's uh, go over and check this out again. Um, they spend an average of 43 minutes admiring girls, which adds up to a year in a lifetime. Um, 
Yeah, you've got to have sunglasses ready. Uh, and I'm going to give you the scene when a woman is coming your way. She's coming your way, and then you want to turn around and see what she looks like in the other direction. Mm -hmm. You have to turn and relight. You turn and give a relight. <laughs> oh. Like, I've got the wind in my face. Now I can. And, yeah. And, and, and there's a little sound by. And that's what the good thing about cell phones is for. Because yeah. you, you can always just be like, oh, my God. Oh. No, I said buy those things at the market. You know, just pretend you're having good a conversation. Cover. Yeah. Uh, Semi Salmon. Sam from the Sam and Dave show. Here's a photo of David Beckham ogling a, a lady. That's, you know, he's a superstar. He's one of the more handsome men. Randy Fellows ogled 10 women a day. That's where you got this uh, story from. Yes. Hmm. I got a good Sam story, but I understand why I, I saw him walk by. We need to get him to come in. All right, I, um, I guess it was Friday. When I uh, left here, uh, I hear, oh, look who it is. Is that Ronnie B. from the radio? And it's uh, Sam's chick, by the way, with a beautiful blonde girl. Uh, they were just both <laughs> hanging out together. But your chick had a knot on her forehead oh. where she had gotten in a cab accident. So just before I ran into them, the cab gets in an accident. Your chick hits her forehead. Yeah. Now, l listen to this part of it. The cabbie still charges them <laughs> after <laughs> slamming her. What, what did her head actually hit the seat in front of her? No, it was like uh, she was talking to her friend, mm -hmm. and the cab like rear-ended another car. Yeah, and so her face went directly into the plastic divider in the wow. cab. Oh yeah, yeah, so she has a little knot. Doesn't slop, uh, slow her down from going to get Magnolia cupcakes. <laughs> she's well, still. She wanted I, to feel better. Yeah, she's icing herself. She's going. I got to get a fucking cupcake. <laughs> but um, put on it. Yeah, I cannot believe that story. She's okay though. Everything's all right. Yeah, she's all right. She was. I mean, I could tell she was okay. You know, because nothing was broken, and she remembered everything. She didn't have a concussion or anything, but she was petrified to go to sleep. Well, yeah, I mean, a concussion in sleep leads to death. Right. That's but normally if you're not throwing up and you don't have that queasy feeling. But, yeah, she seemed like she could have had a little lawsuit for herself if she would have played it up. Yeah, that's what my dad said when uh, <laughs> she came over for dinner last night and he was like, how are you doing? She was like, I'm fine. He was like, what do you mean you're fine? Yeah. What kind of a suit is that? <laughs> I was always told, uh, go down, stay down. <laughs> Never get up. Once something happens, I, Earl Douglas said, right from the beginning, yes. you go down, you stay down, let them check you out because all you have to say is, despite what you told me, I'm still very sick, and then that that frightens them. Uh, but it does. I mean, you're never more than a victim. You're not doing anything. No. But riding, and no one ever wears a seatbelt in a cab. They have them. Yeah, they do? Yeah. Yeah, Look they out. have them, but no one ever puts them on. And that's the thing about this. She is the one person who always does, except for this one time. Like she Even gets, in a cab? She gets made fun of for wearing seatbelts in cabs. And she just, it was a two-block ride on a hot day. So she just got in the cab for a couple <laughs> of blocks and didn't put the seatbelt on and ends up face first in plexiglass. It just looks so weird. Just like, I just run in and she's like, this is, you're not going to believe this, but I was just in a car. <laughs> and she just has a little knot, a yeah. little red knot on her head. I mean, she took a serious bump. Yeah, definitely. Her nose was all red. Yeah. She was not happy. 
No, there's no reason to be. You weren't doing chair shot practice, were you, Sam? No. Um, Sam, we were talking about how many, um, how many guys a day do you check out? How many guys? I don't yeah. check out. Zero. I mean, I, including all your wrestling watching. <laughs> I don't check guys out. Yeah. Zero guys is the amount that I check out. I see guys, but I don't check them out. Oh, I see. Checking out has a very sexual connotation to it. So how many women do you check out a day? Oh, I don't know. Thousands. <laughs> Thousands? You really know when someone's hiding a secret. I'm not hiding. I'm saying every single... You check out every girl, like... What, are you in concert somewhere? <laughs> no, I'm saying. Maybe not thousands. I don't know. How many people do you see on the streets? Millions. <laughs> I love women. I live in Mexico City. Dozens, then. All right. We'll say dozens. Um, 36. I said 30 to 50. Good job. By the way. Eventually. The, fa the fact that she hit that sneeze guard in between you, I have no idea the amount of cum that's probably <laughs> on those. Because do you know the amount of people who will fuck in a cab in front of a cabbie? No. Yeah. It's every drunken night in the city. People think they've got an idea. Let's have sex back here in front of a Pakistani. <laughs> uh, here is uh, Andre. Andre, you're in run of Fez. Hey, guys. I love the show. Yeah. I want to say the best oogling has got to be in Vegas. Why Vegas for you? Every girl at the Bellagio gives you, a, you know, a, a sore neck left and right. They just never stop coming. They're like the midgets in Sam's little dream to see how many he can kill. Well, it, the odd thing is, like, if you take a place where you know there's a lot of beautiful women, uh, Los Angeles, California, home of the doors, for instance, they're in cars. You really do need people on the street to do some real serious checking out. And that's the great thing. Now, the weird thing is, Dave, you live, um, our, our building here is about 12 blocks from the fashion district. You can go watch supermodels walking down the, uh, the street in the 30s. Wow. And you will see women down there that have a freakish yeah. amount of uh, looks. I saw a woman who was, like, beautiful in the way that Shaq is tall. You know what I mean? Like, like beyond what humans, and you almost looked at her like you would look at Shaq, like, that's not even normal. That's, a, you know, it wasn't, it would not even be a woman that someone would hit on. It was just like, oh, that's odd. Look how beautiful she is. Like a fucking freak. But in Los Angeles, they're in cars. What's the use? You don't get enough out of that. You know, I see their hair is burning. Right. What are you going to do? Uh, Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Now, Sam, I was listening to uh, Anthony from the uh, ONA show today. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he brought up uh, something that was interesting to me. You know, I've talked a lot about local foods and stuff like that on this show. But he brought up local strippers. Yes. And I've never really given this consideration. Here's what he was saying, Fez. He wants, if he's going to a topless place, he wants to see the women from that area. He doesn't want them bust in. Okay? So if he goes to, let's say, Poughkeepsie, he wants to see some Poughkeepsie pussy. If he finds himself in Cleveland, Cleveland pussy. And his feeling is the majority of the women should be from that area code and have graduated from that high school. 
And <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever sold all local talent. <laughs> I think it would be mm. impressive. Keep your dollar bills here in the neighborhood. Mm. Well, yeah, because Russians especially, just they're, they're all they, over the place. They destroyed New York. And, and they're everywhere. They're yeah. in New Jersey, Connecticut. Many, many. you got any many. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't fucking work. It's kind of a fucking turnoff. Once you've been, uh, gotten a lap dance from one Russian girl, okay, what's the difference? Another one coming over? It's the same deal. And then there, there's always that thrill that maybe, like, you know, you can uh, run into uh, a, an ex-student of, that was you but, know, went to your school. Yeah, that's always thrilling. You're like, Sarah? Why, she's <laughs> fucking, you know. Somebody's ex-wife. Ex-wives is very, very exciting. Uh, and uh, Mom. Well, and, yeah, anybody from the neighborhood. But then also, if you're traveling, let's say you're out in Iowa, you want to see what the local talent looks like. Are they corn-fed girls? Are you like, wow, there's a lot of two-bill-plus girls in this place? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe we ought to have laws set up for that. Now, I know Rhode Island, you can go really young. I think you can start dancing up there at eight years old. You can start peeling <laughs> at eight. Well, but it's always the Jonas Brothers. Isn't it like Canadian radio, like you, they, they, they demand that you play a certain amount of Canadian artists? And I think that's great. I'm very proud of so Canada why, for that. So why don't they? I mean, why can't we just get this bill passed? Because of Canada, April Wine had a career. <laughs> and I think that that's important. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. Let's keep the Peeler money local. What about the college towns? Are the students from that college allowed yes. to go to those? Yes, you will. That would be yeah. fine. And make it like the old Playboys where... It's the girls of the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in and Syracuse, it, all I wanted to find at Syracuse strip clubs were people that I knew from school. Mm -hmm. I never found one, though. Well, this was the interesting thing uh, when I lived in Florida. There were a phenomenal amount of runaways, which was always very like, I'm going to go to Florida and make something out of myself. No, I can't. Well, I'll start <laughs> peeling. Uh, but what was also great there... And you don't see this most. They would have uh, their equivalent of open mic nights. So you would see a girl whose dream was one night only, let's see if I can do a dance, if I can go up and strip. And most of the time, their boyfriends uh, would bring them. And it was like pussy karaoke. <laughs> Even though the girl wasn't necessarily hot, the audience would get behind them because they knew this was the first time. And you'd see the girl trying to come out on her heels, you know, just holding on to the fucking pole. And there was an excitement factor uh, that mm. you didn't have at other places. I'd be all over that. But would you be willing to take your chick to a place yeah, like I that? Yeah, I would. One night only? Yeah, one night. I mean, would they, they can stay in a G, or they have to get totally nude. What, what, would, you, what would you be willing to do? Uh, keep your G-string on, and you can, go topless. Topless. you can go topless. Yeah, I think you could get away with that. Okay. Uh, would this be something you'd be into? To Sam? see Dave's wife? No, your wife. Oh, your chick. No, certainly not. But would you go there and see Dave's chick? Oh, certainly, yes. Sam and Dave, finally, doing a live gig <laughs> people care about. Uh, Terry in Montana. Um, how are you, buddy? <laughs> go ahead, Terry. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Ron, what's up? What can we do for you? Hey, I, was, I heard you guys talking about strip clubs. I uh, 
I was going to school at University of Florida there in Gainesville. I don't know if you guys remember the old Cafe Risque. We sure. there all I-75. Mm-hmm. Dating this girl, uh, she told me she was working at a uh, at a bar, and I was so busy with classes and stuff. And about a month went by. My buddy and I went down to Micanopy down there to see uh, Cafe Risque one night. Um, they used to have posters on the outside of the building of all the girls that danced, like big, like full-size posters, like framed on the outside yeah. of girls and negligee. And I'm walking up, and I knew my buddy's girlfriend was a dancer there. And I walk, I'm like, holy shit, there's, uh, there's Haley. And he goes, yeah, 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 and she hot. And I look, the poster next to his girl is my first girl I've been dating for like a month and a half. I'm like, holy shit, that's freaking Jen. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, that, that's freaking whore. So you took it as a bad thing. No, no, I thought it was a good thing, but uh, I just wish I would have been in on it, you know. And then you go inside, and there's full-on pictures of, like, her. I don't know if you guys remember Cafe Risque. Mm-hmm. You could go in and get a freaking uh, uh, chicken fried steak breakfast with eggs and have a naked beaver in, over your head. They yeah, I've like, never <laughs> been. I, I would, believe it or not, uh, and some of these places have uh, decent food. But I just, uh, <laughs> I'll turn it down most of the time. And normally because I'd be pretty gacked up. And I think if I'm going to die on anything, it's this fucking eight ball. But uh, <laughs> I would see guys in there where they would have a fucking salad bar. And I'm like, <laughs> just the food is sitting out. You're going to eat potato salad in here? You're a fucking animal. They will Eric- do- they will do. I'm sorry. They will do a sushi bar where it's like the unfreshest uh, place and the food that goes bad the fastest. Here's Eric in Boston. Eric. Hey, buddies. Uh, my girl actually uh, just stripped at an amateur night last night, and she cleaned up. She made like over a hundred dollars because she told everyone um, when everyone found out she wasn't even 21. Everyone wanted private dances and whatever else, and it was full nude. So she did very well for herself at that time. Uh, here's Pat in Florida. Pat. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Um, you know, I live down here in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, and, you know, I want to see the local talent, but you're not going to get that down here. I mean, you get girls from the islands and everywhere else. Well, you get a lot of Cuban girls down there, a lot of Spanish girls, and it's weird to be with a girl who will cut you. You know, you're like, hey, I didn't order that, and suddenly she's ready to put a blade in your neck. Yeah, those places down there get very fucking strange in Miami. Uh, here is uh, Doug. Doug, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie B., how you doing, buddy? What can I do for you, pal? Hey, man, you come to a place like Roanoke, Virginia, man, you you see the strippers at the grocery stores. They're all homegrown girls. You know, you're not going to get the Russians importing into Roanoke, Virginia or a place like this. There's two strip clubs. Everybody knows who the strippers are. You see them out shopping. You see them with their kids. It ain't, it ain't a big surprise. So I, I think you go to the small towns. You'll see the local talent around. you got to get out of the big cities, though, you know? Um, did you, um, now, do they even bother changing their names? Or well, some, like, of them do, some do, some don't. I, mean, if I think not, it would be better if it just be like, uh, uh, here's Betty. Uh, <laughs> Betty's going to be dancing for you. Guys, I remember her from social studies. Now, I, at the same time, it's cool if they're homegrown, but I wouldn't want them. I wouldn't want to see them everywhere, like in a supermarket, because I think a stripper's got to be like a little bit of a a rock star, a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, well, they are like a local rocker. They're like the brother Joe, right, of but, uh, uh, their town. And I, that's why I want to see brother Joe on the two U stage and not just 
Sit in a library or renting you, movies. Yeah, you don't want to see Brother Joe ever run. You, you want him to only come out at night. That's, that's it. That's it. And it's the same thing with strippers. If I saw her in baggy pants with two kids, I don't know. Josh in Florida, you're in front of Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. How you doing today, brother? Good. Good. Uh, remember Cheetah down in Sarasota? Yeah. Yeah, best place in town, man. I think it's better than any of the places up on Dale Mabry or up in Gandy up in uh, Tampa. Well, you got the Gandy, of course, has just tons of them. And then Orange Blossom Trail in Orlando would, and that's where, you know, fucking Disney World is. They would have strip clubs at every fucking five feet. And the girls would be so fucking young. And I saw a girl come out once. In a graduation thing and hat, <laughs> and then fuck, and she came out like to the Macho Man music, and then fucking went into personal Jesus, and the, she fucking killed the place. I mean, there is such competition there that they'll fucking hit it hard, and then the girls that are just like say sevens instead of tens, they'll like I I, I got to do something to get under that, you know what I mean? Mm. And they'll just come fucking diving out. <laughs> On top of men. Like, no, fucking pay some kind of attention to me. I'm willing to piss on you. Uh, here is um, Brian. Brian, you're on a fez. Hey, uh, there's a place in Albuquerque that got shut down because they had this girl named the Super Soaker. And the health inspector came in because she was hitting the buffet. And she was actually going that far? Yeah, There was yeah. a woman in Philadelphia once... That got arrested for dispensing food without a license because she was shooting peanut butter from her vagina. So she would come out, fill herself up with peanut butter, let it fucking fly, and the guy's like, yeah, you know, just all excited by it. But they came in and said because it was food, she got the fucking cuffs thrown on her. Um, here is uh, Curtis in Nebraska. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, uh, I stopped at that Cafe Risque one time in Micanopy, Florida, and I managed to sit down and have the chicken fried steak for dinner. And here's the best part about it. I was more turned on by the chick that was serving me in the nightgown than I was with the chick dancing on the stage. And the chick chick dancing on the stage was a hot college chick with big boobs. Well, you know, a lot of the women that will work as waitresses or bartenders but won't get naked are incredibly beautiful down in Florida. Hmm. Jimmy James, you're on a fez. Hey, afternoon, boys. Yeah. Hey, uh, my my wife went to one of those uh, open mic nights, basically, at the strip club. Mm -hmm. And she made so much in tips on that first night, they gave her a job on the spot. Well, yeah. Um, I, I saw uh, three of those girls dancing, and, and then Voss came up and did 15 minutes. <laughs> it was an exciting <laughs> night. Here is um, uh, Randy in Tampa. Randy. Hey, Ron. Yeah, I'm actually in the Clearwater area, but uh, I, w I just moved down there, and I went to a few strip clubs down there, and they're all bikini bars. They're not allowed to get topless or anything. It's the weirdest thing. The only time to get topless is if you go and get a private dance. That's the only way they're allowed to do it. This is in Pinellas County now? Yeah, they said, uh, I asked them about it. I'm like, are all of the strip clubs like this? And they said, yeah, we got a weird law. If you're too close to the beach, a certain radius, we're not allowed to go topless or anything. Yeah, they they really have trying to, the regular communities where people live, try to fucking um, really crack down on it now. Because eventually you come to a point where it's all the men want to do. If you're going to be totally honest, uh, 
men would just love to live there. Jay in New Jersey. Hey, this is Jay. Uh, I have a great story. There's uh, back when I was in college in Cleveland years ago. I was in a fraternity. My fraternity's big brother. Uh, his mother said, "Oh, I know some girls at the local girls' Catholic uh, college. You, uh, you know, show them a good time. Invite them over to a fraternity party." So we did. We showed them a good time. Two weeks later, we take out our pledges to some shitty strip joint in Cleveland, uh, the Crazy Horse, and who's dancing? Probably the ugliest of all the girls that we were entertaining. And my big brother is such a, an asshole. He went up to the DJ. He tells him, listen, I want to pay for an exclusive strip for my, all my pledges. Calls the girl over. She had a strip in front of 25 fraternity guys. Uh, so. Here is uh, Dan. Dan, you're on the Hey, yeah, Ron. I, I've always thought, found it uh, interesting, speaking of seeing, seeing strippers at the mall the next day, how on Friday night I can give a stripper 20 nickels and she rubber tits in my face. The next day I see her at the mall and she won't give me, give me the time of day. Well, what I do you want to do? Hey, we had some great times. <laughs> it's not real! Thanks for that dollar last night. It's not fucking real! It's like seeing uh, someone outside of a mascot uniform badgering them because they have to do a little dance <laughs> I, for you. I, seriously, I didn't know so many fucking of those girls, and they work so many angles on the fucking lonely guys. Let's say they like the hosp-type guys <laughs> of the world... They would always spend extra time with them, right? Guy would come in lonely. This is what fucking get to me. These guys would act like they were cheating if another girl was with them. <laughs> they only would, and they would go and sit and wait for their girl. And, like, they would be there every day for months. And she's like, oh, God, this is so nice just to get away from those animals, to be here with you. I'm so glad you came by. And, like, they'd be like, yes. And they would get this saving thing, right? And then, like, about a month in, they would come in one day to, like, to see their girl, and she would come over, and she'd be crying. They're like, what's wrong? Well, I'm going to lose my apartment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Unless I get $1,200 by but And the guy would be like, I want you to know something. I can get you the 1200 <laughs> There would always be their idea. You know what I mean? Like, they would never say, give me. And the fucking second that you... Did that gimmick, you know? I'm going to save you and your daughter. <laughs> I don't want you moving back to Michigan. That fucking guy was already hooked. He was <laughs> fucked. And you would, I'm telling you now, go sit in the back and watch the real fucking rubes that go into those places. And they will not get fucked. Those are the guys that don't get fucked. Some guy will come up later in a motorcycle, all tatted out, and take her money. <laughs> you know what I mean? She'll belong to some fucking guy. But the guys who are like the nice guys who think they're working hard on it will not. Uh, Bud, Bud, you're in my face. Hey, Ron, how are you? Yeah. I uh, worked at, I managed a hotel, and I had an employee that was just smoked and hot. And I hadn't been to my local strip club in a long time. I finally go down there, and guess who's on the stage stripping? Turns out. She'd been stripping there for a while. Um, we got uh, talking about it, and I would go down there after work and talk with her while she was working down there. Later on, you know, nothing ever happened, but we moved on, and later I saw her in one of those Ed Power movies. Here's Ralph and Della. Ralph. Yo, uh, Bronnie, I remember, I don't know, remember her name, but she used to 
put on an act during lunch, and we used to go down there. And she used to actually stick her, like, you'd sit there eating lunch, and she'd stick guys' sandwiches up her twat. And then they'd, she'd pull it out, and the guys would eat it there, and we also just go, oh, my God, you fucking asshole. And then she'd also... Was this on Market Street? Yeah, it was on Market. Yeah, I, I remember. There, there were, did you ever see her when she would clean up the stage? Yeah, she had all these the props. With the mop. She yeah, she, then she would put a mop up on her pussy and <laughs> yeah. come out and fucking clean the stage up. The boys would go crazy. She was fucking amazing. And this wasn't like, oh, you're just going to see me nude. She had an act. Something people could enjoy. Um, here's uh, JoJo and Philly. JoJo. Yeah, is it a club where you're in the you have the back room where you can do the private dances? The VIP. In the middle. Yeah, exactly. But some of them, like, they have the individual curtains where you can't see anybody but your girl. And then some are, like, these big open rooms with a bouncer at the end. Mm -hmm. And I was in one of those big open rooms, and this girl danced on my lap, and I'm in the middle of, like, the second song. You know, I got a pretty good tub going. And she does that squat where she sits on your lap, and I look over her shoulder just to check out some of the other girls in the room. And the guy across from me, the girl sitting on his lap, was my fucking sister. Changed no idea she worked. Is that when you fucking blew your load? Your son <laughs> did I did. I did. Yeah, I like, Don't you want to so your song? I'm like, no. I fucking pulled my pants off, paid to go, and walked out. And I just remember the neck is like I was waiting for my sister to call me. My phone rang a couple times. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this tonight. I'll just wait till tomorrow and I'll deal with it. But what anyway, eventually happened? What'd she say to you? At that point, no. I mean, she was with a client. I was freaked out. I just. But I mean, I, later, I, I, like at Christmas. I mean, it basically. I mean, you know, we're only a couple years apart, so. I'm in school. I need to make a few extra bucks. I don't want to prostitute. I couldn't get a job. I Mom, don't want to prostitute. Well, that's great, honey. <laughs> glad you... No, no, don't tell them. <laughs> I'm, uh, but... I'm glad there's a line. Big ass prize closet for you, my friend. It's very weird. Now, would everybody likes strippers? Everyone likes to go there. But could you have married one? Let's say Sam. No. Just knowing that she had that in her past. Yeah. No, it'd be too much. It'd be too much for you. I'm not a good sharer. I don't like that whole. Thing, uh, what about for you, Davey Mack? I could, I, I, yeah, I could. Yeah, it would. I mean, you know, I, I would hope that it was a decent establishment, not some but fucking even... slummy, <laughs> out of the way shack. But you know, later you're like at the mall, you know, and you're here. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, if she Porsche? had, <laughs> right, if she had a different name, <laughs> if someone called her Sparkles or something, then I would be a little bit ticked off. Oh, she was clown? a kid. If she was a kid's clown, yeah, Sparkles would be the name. <laughs> Uh, what about for you, Hicks? Yeah, I'd marry a stripper. Why not? Yeah, I, matter of fact, you're going to end up that fucking way. <laughs> he's going to be he's going to be a stripper, a male one. He looks like the guy, the fucking strip uh, club, who's fucking checking the ashtrays for cigarette butts. <laughs> right now, cigarettes. <laughs> he's looking like James Gandolfini from Get Shorty right now. <laughs> like bear. bear. I love Bear in that fucking movie. <laughs> Watch out, Pepper. John Travolta's going to throw you down the stairs. Tell about my daughter, then. You know what? The fuck, don't, yeah. don't cuss in front of my daughter. Bear, here's the problem with you. Bear, I want you to bring him over here to me tonight. We're going to make this movie. You don't know me. You just think you do. I am looking at you. That guy's a great fucking actor. No one ever knows his name. Yeah. No one ever knows that guy's name. I call him Old Sam Jackson. That's cruel. Because he's younger than Sam Jackson. Is he? Yeah. I remember he played Satchel Page one time. It was awesome. Yeah, I love that fucking yeah. movie. Actually, a good cast, too, because the other guy that played Josh Gibson was uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump. 
Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I'll look it up. You don't have to. All you had to do was tell me. <laughs> All right, we are well, going to take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll play the interview uh, that we did with Bonnie Raitt and uh, Taj Mahal. Now, if you only know Bonnie Raitt from her, uh, you know, kind of hit singles and shit, I got to go out of my way to tell you she's an unbelievable guitar player. You see her playing slide. She plays a bottleneck. Fucking really, really great. And Taj Mahal, of course, is one of the uh, great all-time uh, blues guys. They are traveling together uh, around the country, and we'll have that up next. It's uh, Bunny Raitt and Taj Mahal. It's the Run and Fez Show.
That is the great Taj Mahal playing for us. And while that's happening, Bonnie Raitt and I were dancing around the studio. Oh, my Lord. Get <laughs> me a towel. Was that unbelievable? He's, it never, never, ever get over you, baby. Oh, yeah, right. I mean it. It doesn't get any better than those. That, that You know, I mean, all of his work, but those first two albums, I literally, that was womanhood for me. Is that, is that when it started? Yeah. Um, so now here, this is the first time you guys have ever toured together? Right. This is it? Is yeah. this something that you've always wanted to do, uh, both of you, or something you've talked about in the past? Well, geez, I, I, I always, always would see see Bonnie, and she'd say, "Well, we got to do something together," you know. And I'd say, "Yeah, well, I'm sure you say that to all your men, you know." <laughs> but then the the, 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 the deal of it is, is really is that uh, I'm gonna leave it over to her in a second here. Is that uh, she she came to talk to me and said, "Hey, what do you think?" Blah 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 blah. It was, was this somewhat recent, that, uh, or it was something you talked about for well, years? Or? I have wanted to, to tour with Taj, but because we're both headliners and we both have our own album schedules, and mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're parallel careers, kind of on the track. You know, we uh, don't even play in the same markets at the same time because we tend to draw from the same audience. So, you know, I would run into him backstage at benefits or blues foundation events, or and I sang on his mm -hmm. album. And he, you know, over the years we've known each other for a long time, and. I've had this idea of this Bontage Roulet for about eight years now, since I first went on the Lilith Fair in 99. And I said, you know, I, this is such a great vibe, you know, to have, you know, fundraising for causes going on in the little villages outside, multiple acts, some people jamming together with one big host band. And I said, we could just double up sometime and have our favorite African and Celtic and Caribbean musicians, all the world music artists we're always talking about when we get together, we could just have them be special guests. And, and it was really, you know, I, I was saying, what could we call it? And I just, the Bontage Roulet is a play on Bonton Roulet, you know, let mm -hmm. the good times roll. And I brought it to Taj earlier this year, and I said, you know, they're starting to book the summer tours, and I don't have a new album out. You don't have a new album out. Why don't, why don't we do it now? Yeah. Do something just for fun, not to push product, but just to get out there and join. That was the interesting thing of seeing you come through the door as I'm playing this music. And the same thing that hits you when you were a little kid, uh, you feel now. Oh. It hasn't changed for you at all. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, in, uh, like John Lee Hooker said, because it's in us and it's got to come out. That's yeah. Right.
can't stifle it there's a you no. know ever since i heard little richard i went well, i don't know what's happening to me but i want some more of that yeah and yeah. there's nothing like live music too to come out and see you guys play live because the show is the show that night it's not something right. that's going to be captured or permanent the show that night uh, it seems like it has a lot to do with just the night that audience mm. that place that you're playing uh, is there any type of venues that you guys want to play more than others? Is there anything that you're more likely to look forward to, or sure, anyway, the sound is great. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're looking and for. Just good sound. Yeah, we carry we carry a great sound system. We have a terrific yeah. team. Both of us have great guys and uh, two incredible bands. So these are this this particular first run of the Montage Roulette is showcasing the Phantom Blues Band and my band, and and we're going to actually be out there for thirty forty five minutes at. Uh, playing together, some of some of which will be Taj and I acoustic, just a, just the two of us, and some of it'll be just full out R and B knockout. You knock them out of the park. So for me, the summer shows are always really fun because it's kind of a festival and people bring yeah. their kids. Everybody's and, around. So most of the tour is outdoors, but you know, by the time people come to see us, they're already fans. So every night is special to me. Yeah, there's so many great outdoor venues that weren't around when you guys started your careers. That's there's true. so many great amphitheaters now. Oh yeah, uh, that make it a kind of a picnic into the show at night. Uh, it's really been terrific. Taj, what was it about you that, that grabbed the blues first? What was it for you? The music was there all the time, you yeah. know. I mean, just culturally. Um, it was something that you you hear. But I started hearing it more so in the big bands. You know, I, I go all the way back to the 40s. Yeah. And my, both my parents were music, musicians, and there was music, music in the house. And then... The people that came around and the the music that got played in the house and the music got you talked about it and stuff you heard late at night on the radio. I mean, it wasn't the blues as such was not like a front a front place on the radio. Mm -hmm. It had the popular music in the '40s, jazz, you know, and and um, show music and 
this and, and opera and all that kind of stuff. But when he came toward the fifties and and big band stuff, you know, that's when the combo sound started mm-hmm. happening. Actually, the combo sound started in the forties with like Louis Jordan and and bands like that. And then it rolled over and became like a precursor to rock and roll. And then when you started hearing rock and roll, the things that I used to like all the time, the ones that would frame themselves up more like the blues and more dig more in that direction. Yeah. You know, so, you know, a combination of people that you live with and in and around your neighborhood and what you get to know about the music. Because, I mean, so many times you hear, you hear like a live record. And at the end, of, these guys have been playing bebop all night and jazz, you know, and they be playing you know, jazz musicians, you know, man. <laughs> at the end of the night, somebody said, oh, man, come on, take me back in the alley. And the band was up, boss, man, the place would start screaming. Yeah. Well, why weren't you playing that from the beginning of the night? Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I, and I guess where you were growing up, too, Bonnie, is like uh, the blues wasn't universal for kids at your age at that time, right? You had to reach back a little bit to get that. Well, you know, I came through um, folk music. That's what made mm. me want to pick up the guitar, and a, a lot of the country was uh, swept up in the folk revival or the folk scare of the 60s, as they mm-hmm. like to get it. But, you know, Joan Baez and Pete Seeger and, uh, you know, Woody Guthrie, and, the, and then it was Peter, Paul, and Mary had a big hit with a Bob Dylan song, and yeah. then Bob Dylan just really changed my life, you know. I mean, he, I, I really wanted to do not i didn't want to have a career in music but the music just meant so much to me and i heard country folk blues through the vanguard label uh you know they were putting out the blues that was happening at the newport folk festival Mm -hmm. and here i was a little kid in california and it changed my life i always liked motown and soul music which was the music of our day and of course the beatles and the stones turned half of this country on to a lot of the british turned us on to r&b and blues slim harpo and howlin wolf and muddy waters would have never hit me until i was in college if it hadn't been for the stones so you know folk blues and the radio and Ray Charles had a huge influence on me. So in L.A., there was that music. But if you, if you like everybody else, you just when you're supposed to be doing your homework, you turn those dials till you find an R&B station. Yeah, you got to be able to find it. Yeah, but I grew up in Broadway music. My dad was a Broadway singer, and it wasn't until I was in college that I really got to hang out with blues musicians and go to clubs and really let it soak up. And you were you played before you showed up at these cl- clubs. Mm-hmm. You yeah, I played. Sh- I taught myself to play when I was. Nine, and then I was playing at summer camp and playing for assemblies just as a hobby. And but then when I learned to, when I fell in love with country blues, was I was fourteen, about sixty-four. And uh, those folks all took you on. Everybody said, "What's this kid doing here?" Everybody was. By the time I hung out with the blues guys, they said, how the heck did you learn this in your room in L.A.? There's nothing. You know, L.A. had a blues scene, but not a country blues scene, unless it was the Ash Grove. And I was too young to hit the club. So I was racing to get old enough to see... To go to Cambridge and Greenwich Village, and by the time I got there, that scene had already kind of moved on. Well, I always think it's very interesting um, as far as the players go because, you know, they're always the first to integrate if somebody can play. Obviously, all right, a woman doesn't be there. Oh, she can play? Then she can play. White people don't play? Oh, they can? Mm -hmm. Come on up. That's exactly Um, how it works. And I think the only two things like that is music and sports that that the... Performers themselves, if they respect the other person, then every, you know, anything else, any prejudice will go out the door. And and again, in the same of the audiences, I think the audiences will accept if they've been introduced to it properly. Right. It goes both ways because, I mean, there are a lot. What you see, if you really study, that was where I came to that very point was that I noticed that in the 40s, jazz, mm-hmm. jazz, jazz music, I mean, everybody was playing jazz. 
You know what I'm saying? You saw every face that could play the music playing the music. Yeah. You know, and bands, you know, I mean, mixed up. You know, yeah. I, mean, I never thought anything about it. I just thought that it was it was always about whether you could play or not. It was never anything else other than that. And, and, and it was always from years ago, people who could play that good, you know, back in Louis Armstrong's band, Jack D. Garden and all them cats like that. You know, this one, Big Spider Beck, you know, I mean, yeah. them cats could play. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and when you study the history of New York, even back in the 40s, long before integration, oh, yeah. white guys would be uptown, black guys would be downtown, as long as the music worked. That's yeah. right. Um, and I think with you, I mean, probably it was through Little Feet that I first cool. uh, found out about you and were able to see. Uh, how did you hook up with those guys back then? You know, I was finishing my, my tour for my second album, Give It Up, back in 72, and uh, I was hanging out in L.A. getting ready to play the Troubadour, and a, a woman lead guitar player from a group called Fanny, which was oh, also yeah. on my label. It's all woman rock band. They were mm. really good. She said, I want you to hear this. And she put on sailing shoes. And mm -hmm. I just said, man, I haven't heard anything like that since, you know, what Taj blew open the blues into an, uh, right away. And Ry Cooter, you know, those early Randy Newman records, but Ry Cooter's albums. Yeah. Little Feet just, I mean, that was the stuff for me. I mean, he had, they had synthesized the really coolest part of you know latin rhythms and and uh indian quarter tones i mean it was the real gut bucket blues and just beautiful a uh, new twist on it an original twist on it and i they introduced me and june introduced me to uh, lowell and the guys from little feet and we just be they were fans of mine and we went back out on the road i took them as my opening act and played the east coast again max's kansas city yeah. and uh you know whfs down in Bethesda, Maryland played both of us so much, and, and it was my honor to be able to help them get out of the box with their album. And then we, we ended up playing, I think Billy played on most of my albums in the 70s. Uh, how did you hook up with, with Ry Cooter? That seems like uh, also a strange thing early on in, in no, both your careers. No, not at all strange. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it might have seemed that way because maybe people would have thought I was going toward R&B or jazz or progressive mm -hmm. jazz or something like that. But, you know, um, I was... You know, I I was um, how it really started. I was playing the, these hoot nannies up in um, um, Boston and in, in Cambridge, in fact. And uh, you know, so I got to be that I was the guy that was running the hoots, more hoot night. So one night, this guy comes up and is playing a twelve string guitar, and played it differently. Played and was playing. You know, it's like, wow, where you learn that? Where'd you learn how to play like that? So he said, hey, well. Uh, my uncle's this guy named Fred Gerlock, played twelve string guitar, hung out with Lead Belly and Lead Belly's niece. And then and then so later on he started playing some other stuff. I said, Well where'd you learn that stuff? He said, Well, I am coming from Los Angeles and there's this guy out there named Rye. He's about seventeen or eighteen years old and he plays just really plays all this stuff. I said, Seventeen or eighteen, he's playing this thing. You're learning from him <laughs> and he's like already about five four, five, five, six years older than him. So I said, hey, man, if I ever get out there, I said, I'm going to look this guy up. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we ended up having a duo and running around New England and Canada. And then we just were like, West Coast, we're out of here. And we went to the West Coast. And the first, I hadn't been there two days, three days. And when Ryan invited me up to this place, and we sat up and did some picking. And we, I just went like, you know what? This guy needs to be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> so we started getting gathering everybody, putting everybody in the band. Because, I mean, he was, he's telling us today. 
You know, when I went from from east to west, somebody that was playing on par, better than anybody that was out there. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have reputations. Yeah. But this guy could play and knew the deep stuff. Greatest guitar player that ever was. Just Rock amazing. Yeah. Just an amazing Absolutely. guitar player. Yeah. And has never lost uh, a bit of it. I mean, today, no. yeah. he's maybe at the peak of his powers. It's yeah, really... I, I got to see him with Nick Lowe and Jim Keltner play a benefit show up in the Bay Area. And uh, he was singing all the, all the songs over the years and, and just on fire. Yeah. And there's some YouTube from those, the tour he just did in Europe with Nick Lowe and Rye. And his mm. son playing drums. And yeah. if you want to have your mind blown, go on to YouTube and click that. I think it's Amsterdam and uh, Antwerp, maybe. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. fr- you know, frightening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, if you want to check this out, it's the bondtage.com for tour dates. Or now you guys are Twittering. You're going to be part I don't of the, Twitter, but maybe somebody else. You're going to be part of the Twitter, twitter.com slash bondtage. Uh, also... Um, I think, of course, the, the the stuff that you did with John Prine, the Angel from Montgomery, which might be really one of the greatest songs. Oh, isn't it beautiful? Thank of you. Of all time, uh, how did you how did you um, hook up with him? I started playing in the Village in the early seventies, and uh, I was down at the Gaslight, and uh, I had heard about this guy who was playing at the Bitter End, and he had got a little bit of in the industry, you know. Mm-hmm. The singer-songwriter circles that I was moving in, they said, wait, do you hear him? And I, you know, I read some reviews about his first album, and we met, and we, we were fast friends and have uh, been absolutely intertwined and on tour together many, many years since. I am an old woman named after my mother. My old man is another child. This old house would have burnt down that long time ago. Make me an angel that flies from Montgomery. Make me a poster of an old rodeo. Just Just a free rambling man But that was a long time And no matter how I tried Those years just flow by Like a broken down dam Make me an angel That flies from Montgomery Make me a poster A 
There's flies in the kitchen I can hear them there buzzing And I ain't done nothing Since I woke up today It's always amazing, uh, a great song. It's still a mystery, isn't it? Yeah. It's still mysterious Incredible. how a great song can just pop out like that. Yeah, he's one of the Amer- He's a treasure, really yeah. a treasure. I'm glad you like his music. Well, uh, and also with you, Taj, last year you were with the Almond Brothers for their 40th anniversary. Oh, yeah. With them. Uh, what song did you do? Uh, we did, uh, see, um, Leaving Trunk mm-hmm. and um, Statesboro Blues. Mm. And I think it was Leaving Drunk States of Rose, maybe checking up on my baby. You're always ready to play, though, right? Every night you feel like playing. Oh Every yeah, I'm, I'm, I play if, if, any day that I'm not, any day that I'm not uh, on stage, I'll be playing for myself. Is that so, right? Oh yeah, I mean, it's like really, I literally, I literally sleep so that I can blindly wake up. I got, a, I got a ukulele, I got a ukulele right here. Just two couple guitars there. If I was lean up and reach over, about I've got like a quattro down there, you know. I'm going to the next room. There's an upright bass, you know. Keep dancing, Mr. Brown. I mean, so you can see them, so you can play them, you know. Looking cute today. Come on over here. Yes,
He's my inspiration now because I tend to be more focused on the business end of what I do, my mm-hmm. managing my career with my great team and, and my political activism. And it's a full-time, I call it my daytime job. But, you know, email is very seductive, and I type really fast. But, and I get it, it's really fun to be able to talk to people in Australia and Scotland before you even went to yoga class, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, oh, yeah. but I got a. We, I, I, when Taj and I were getting together to pick songs for this tour, and he realized that and he said, "You don't play every day." And I said, "No, you know, I play if I got to warm up for a gig or some." So I really want to thank you for kicking well, you my butt. Integra- integrate it. Yeah, integrate it in. I so mean, I leave them out of the case now. I was thought they were going to get dust on them, but <laughs> that's my own fault if I don't pick them up and play them. Yeah. So well, thanks for reintroducing to me the love of just playing for the what? sake of playing. It's an interesting thing, and I, I see the way that you look at him when he's talking because there seems to be almost a spiritual connection there. That you know, he hasn't talked about spirituality once, but he, but Taj gives off this <sighs> feeling, um, and, and I'm not even sure I can put my finger on it right now. But it just seems like it's a little bit bigger than humanity or something that, that's just running through him. And I, I think that's in the music, Dodge. I really well, do. Well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's using what came along with, this, with the DNA here. A lot of people mm-hmm. go like, you know, it's like, okay, it's Mobile, Alabama. It's a, it's a little bit bigger than that for all of us, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think sometimes here we kind of like lock it off at the shore and don't go out there where, you know, where, where humanity lives in, in, in the world. And in this universe, and in this kind of thing, I mean, this is, I don't want to go up too far as and into esoteric stuff, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a big vibration, man, and so many people are connected to it. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like you know, the thought lets you know. I mean, these are, when the kind of thoughts you have about this. I mean, when I'm looking, I'm looking on this side of this music. You know, I remember when I was looking on the other side, wondering if I get the shot to be able to do yeah. the kind of things what I'm. You know, be able to hit it out of the park, you know. And just me, it wasn't whether or not, it, you know, Big had, had records sold or anything like that, but just the music, you know. So you get people like Ray Charles saying, man, I heard your music. Or this guy stops and saying, I like, they like this about you, you know. And they were sitting down one day, you know, like Eddie Harris told me one day that he was sitting. He said, he said, I always keep music paper right next to me, man. He said, man, you came on television one time, and he was playing this little African on piano. He said, I just grabbed it, and I was writing down the notes as you were playing them. I'm like, I'm just, like, jamming. Yeah, right. This guy's, like, writing it down. I was like, okay. But but there's the point, and I think that you can pick up this when you're in the audience, that sometimes it's, you know, it's a show, everybody can enjoy themselves, but another time, something just kind of opens up, mm-hmm. and the audience is connected to it, probably as much as the players. I totally agree. It's, yeah. it's a vibrational thing, as yeah. you said, It's a, and it is about the way you live your life. It's mm-hmm. about the way you, you know, when people say, you know, what are your politics? Well, it's personal. You know, it's like how do you treat uh, how you, you, your relationship with food and with your body and your and your relationships and your audience and your integrity with the people you work with and the music and how you promote the music and how you are. I mean, I don't want to get again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go off into because we both live in Northern California. We could do that for a while, but um, you know, it is about the kind of whole person mm-hmm. and your connection to the whole person that you're performing to. And what they, I think, what our audiences relate to, and, and we all of us do when we find someone that we love. Mm-hmm. is that they relate to us not just as what the notes we're singing or the particular hit song or not mm-hmm. we have. It's who we are as people at this point in our lives. 
that we're in a tribe and a connection. And, right. and whether you're 17 and you have that audience or whether you're our age and you've lived for a while, we've grown up together. A lot of our right. fans have been with us this whole time, and they're bringing their grandkids and their, yep. their children. And it's a, it's a whole whole life experience it's not just the music it's right. the cultural celebration and, and because we're so eclectic musically and we celebrate that and it's fresh for us and you heard you know we we no. i get the same passion listening to that record that i did when i probably even richer and reaches deeper places than when when i was 20 mm. and so this is what's going to make us be able to carry this into our later years because it's true and it's and it it's passionate and we're coming from a place of integrity and soul i think it yeah. feels like it and yeah. if and the audience would be able to tell if we were false if we were just yeah. doing it for the wrong reason and i think they're coming we're, we respect the same thing in them that they respect in us and well and and you're able to grow into that i mean that's the interesting thing about uh, watching your career and being a fan for so many years is because i remember when you were playing with like Helen wolf and and you know muddy waters and people like that and it was you know sweet but now you're in that position. It's your job now to bring younger people into that. Some people fight that. As the years go by, they want to to stay the pinup model from when they were in their early 20s. You seem like you, you found a place, and maybe it's because, like you said, you've got other parts of your life that work as well, you know. Well, you know, I was going to say it takes one to know one. So you, <laughs> you're living your life to all the things you're saying you have yeah. as well. and. But yeah, no, I welcome it. I, my, I don't have kids. I mean, my job this time around was to honor the generation before, and my whether it's my dad's music, or appreciating Ruth Brown or Charles Brown or the Rhythm and Blues Foundation, all those people to whom we owe everything in the music that mm. I love. And then find out that they didn't get paid and they don't have any health insurance and they're living in decrepit situations with no savings is ridiculous. Right. You know, and we all know the cultural aspect of young white artists making five times more money singing the same song the original artist didn't get paid for. That's just not right. So on a, on a righteous, you know, how I'm living my life path, I'm happy to be the one that sheds a light on the artists that deserve a better shot. And a lot of times they were the older artists. So I got to be around all these people who were good, so much more badass when they were yeah. in their 60s and 70s. When I met Muddy, he was confident and cool and having the time of his life. And uh, I said, man, and now I realize we're in our 50s and 60s, you know, and we're yeah. going, and we feel confident and we're having the time of our life. So it's just the baton has been passed, and I'm proud to be stepping into my 60s now. And, and uh, I hope I can mentor, continue to mentor and influence and, and uh, get some righteous activity for the artists that are getting shunted to the side of all ages. Well, that's interesting. You know, uh, and also, Taj, I remember when I would see uh, Helen Wolf when I was uh, younger and he might come out and play with Thurgood or, right. or or whoever. But it would always be some older black gentleman in the audience and then really young white boys. And it's it's kind of interesting, I think, as far as the African-American culture has went, is that um, there's sometimes they shed their own heroes from time to time. I saw, you know, you see it with jazz and you'd see it with blues and even the early rock and roll guys. It, it seemed like it was the white kids who would pick up as the audience members. Well, yeah, that, there, and there's reasons for that because, I mean, where was the business? The business wasn't in the black community about mm -hmm. about the business of keeping it, you know. And, right. and, and what you find that in this environment here, you have to constantly um, reinvent yourself. 
And, you know, and it would, that's what would happen. You know, a particular style of music would come in, and then it would move on, and somebody would think of something else that they would want to do. Uh, what, what song do you guys definitely want to make sure you do on stage together on this tour? Is there any in particular? Or is <laughs> well, we got to do She night? Caught the Katie, because yeah. that, that, we just nailed that, you know. Yeah. We, yeah. And there's a lot of Taja stuff I'd love to do. And Same with There's her. one of mine that I've always wanted, to, ever since I had this idea, I want to do one of my tunes that I wrote with a great slide player, Roy Rogers. And it's called Non on it, and we're going to do that. So yeah. it's one of mine, one of his, and the rest of them, we got some great surprises. Yeah. August 6th, uh, the tour starts, and it's uh, bontage.com. Uh, you can check it out. God bless both you guys. Thanks so much Thank for you. coming. Thank you. It's the Montage Roulette is yeah, our tour, bon and then Montage.com is the website, and we're given have a great charity aspect of it. That that a dollar of every ticket is going to support four causes, uh, realms of causes, and you can go online and vote for what you would like your contribution. to You go can to. vote, and then there's even going to be people at some of these shows with different kind of literature and stuff. Exactly. I think exactly. it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for asking in-depth questions. Oh, yeah, really. God, it was a pleasure to have really? you in here. Seriously. Both of you, thank you. Uh, I thank the world of you. Uh, we'll send you out with a little music. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you.
Shinji. Well, Fiesta? It's tonight, right? Better be. That ball drops. I'm gonna grab a slut. I'm just gonna pee in her butt. Serrano Fez show. All right, what was that movie clip? That was from. That was from a very. Uh, that was a small. That's from a uh, zombie movie from my 2008 called like uh, The Signal. So that's where pee in her butt came from. No, pee in her, that they used that from the internet. Internet. It was made from the internet. So it was an internet thing first. Yeah, then this movie ripped it off. All right, 866, Ron Zero Fez. I thought I was finally getting to the bottom of where P and her butt came from. All right, 866, Ron Zero Fez. 866, Ron Zero Fez. Hey, uh, Bob in Richmond. How you doing, Bob? Ronnie. Yeah. You have outdone yourself. That interview had me mesmerized. Oh, yeah. I hope to die. I'm a big blues fan. I remember seeing Taj Mahal in Cincinnati in the mid-'70s. Yeah, great and I player. I love, love Bonnie Raitt, but I tell you, what you got out of them and the music, Statesboro Blues, uh, you had me mesmerized. I tell you what, you've outdone yourself. It's one of the really cool things about being able to do uh, satellite radio is that you get to uh, hook up with some folks like that. So it was really, really cool to meet people that I, you know, Doug for a long, long time. And afterwards, Bonnie Raitt was like, I can't believe you brought up Little Feet to me. I mean, the fact that we live in a country where people, you know, don't remember uh, Lil' George. Talk about uh, not being aware of your own culture. Uh, Because if anybody is like, geez, I don't know what I'm into when blues and soul music and stuff. Pick up the early Little Feet albums with Lil' George. They're just absolutely amazing. Uh, Robert, Robert, you're on the Ron and Fez show. You want to find- Ronnie, I got to tell you, I didn't yeah. want it to end. Unbelievable. And, yeah, oh, thanks, man. I, I completely forgot about him. Just awesome. Yeah, uh, Bonnie Raitt was like, uh, you know, touring with them back in the 70s. And that uh, was before I'll she be became the famous I'll be on Bonnie Raitt. I'm computer today looking him up again. I just, to revisit all that old stuff, just fantastic job. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, not everybody is into the blues, but a lot of people that aren't have never had the opportunity to see it live. Uh, and even when I was, uh, you know, talking to them, I was thinking about just the week before we had uh, gone out with uh, the Vagabond Souls. And that was it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's really like, um, you know, rock and roll stuff. And it really does have to be done live. Uh, this tour is going to be really good, and I, 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 it was really cool them bringing up Ry Cooter's name, who was one of the the real great uh, players of all time. Uh, here is um, here's John in Texas. John, I'm running. Hey, they're running me. Yeah, you know that is probably the greatest interview you've done yet. You well, know, and uh, there's a lot of them out there on a on a super secret site. Uh, I don't I don't know if we're uploading them all, but uh, we've done about. 48 or 49 now, kind of very slyly on our own. But put together, it's a pretty amazing package of a lot of people that you don't normally see on TV. And even the ones that you do see on TV, you don't get talking this way. Most of the people on there are talking about their their work, and it's, it's a really fun uh, show to do. Here is Michael in Colorado. 
Ronnie, I just want to tell you, you are the best interviewer in radio right now. Keep up the good work, buddy. Well, I wouldn't limit me because uh, there's some really bad people on TV. There's some amazingly – as a matter of fact, but, but, if I was going to go for what what more chance you have to, for a better interview, I think radio does a better job than TV. There's some really awful stuff on television. Here's our good friend Javak. Ron, uh, everybody, uh, I'm just echoing what everybody said. Really, really outstanding job. And, and for bringing up John Prine and Lowell George, and when they brought up Ry Cooter, I mean, to hear people talk about my musical heroes like right. that, uh, I, I really, really, uh, just just absolutely incredible. You don't ever get to hear that anywhere else, and I, I just thank you so much. I appreciate it, Javak. Oh, uh, man, I mean, amazing. I, these these people, uh, the, the blues and, and the history of, of music we have in this country that is so underappreciated, it's it's great to know there's still a small pocket that really, really does get it and dig it. Well, you know, these Thanks. two uh, are doing this tour together, and, you know, a lot of people are going there because of the the hits that Bonnie Raitt had on the, t- uh, on the you know, radio back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s which really isn't what her live show is completely about. And when these two play together, it's going to be pretty fucking amazing, man. It, it really, just ripping it up. I mean, Bonnie on slide is just, I mean, she's legendary. She really, really is. Anybody that digs blues and slide guitar. I mean, that album she did with John Lee Hooker was, was you know, incredible and really introduced him to a ton of people. Oh, yeah, and, and that well, came later in her career because she was playing with, like, you know, John Lee Hooker and and uh, Helen Wolf and Muddy Waters years ago. I mean, she was like a really young girl playing with those guys and fucking going toe to toe with them. It's amazing. It yeah. really, really is, man. I mean, the uh, blues is the thing that I mean. I was a, always a rock and roll fan, but when I heard blues, it's the thing that made me go buy a guitar and say, "I got to right. play this," you know. And and it's just it's just such a you know such a treat to hear people like them well particularly and here's the strange thing i i never really think that you can totally get it off the radio or you could totally get it off the album it's something that you got to be there for um because it works whatever that night happens to be is going to be completely different absolutely and you even brought up and and i started going into it about the whole spiritual aspect of it when there's that kind of connection it's just it's something really really Spooky and inexplainable what happens when you No, do I agree. I've I've got closer to what people consider church at shows like that than I ever got at church. You Amen. know, I I'm much more likely to be a believer of geez, there's something bigger, you know, at, at places when that opens up. I agree, hundred percent. All right, Javak, nice talking to you buddy. Thanks, uh here's Shane. Shane, you're on the run of Fed show. Yeah, Ronnie B, awesome man. Uh Wow. I just want to hear maybe those two little junior high girls that you work with to apologize to you for uh, crying about being invited late to a barbecue and shit like that. Uh, I know you're your own man. You can walk out of this anytime you want to, but, man, you're uh, you're five stars, man. Well, that's very nice of you to say, and thanks for uh, slapping down my friends while you gave me a compliment. Uh, Paul, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I want to say great interview. Um, I was never a huge Bonnie Raitt fan. I knew Thing Called Love. And then I saw John Hyatt a few months back do uh, A Thing Called Love, which I didn't know was his song, but yeah. why I love it, on uh, you know, one of the late-night shows. 
So it got me to look back at John Hyatt and Bonnie Raitt, and wow, I was really missing out for about 36 years. Yeah, there was there's a real lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily played on the radio. She talked about, you know, her early stuff was played on, you know, some stations that weren't top 40 stations. So she always had like a cult following. Uh, she brought up the the station um, in Maryland that used to play her, and there there was you know pockets. That would play a lot of this music. But the stuff that she really became known for was that, you know, kind of a country ballad type stuff. But that's not necessarily what you're going to see when she straps the, that guitar on. It's uh, pretty cool. All right, we need to uh, move on. Enough stroking off to Ronnie B. Because the backlash will start later. Fuck this shit. used to be so much funnier. Annie W. Comedy pyramids were better. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And yes, we will not uh, bring up who got invited to what picnic when. Dave is doing a very good job at dismantling Fez. And uh, Fez uh, called me at home uh, worried about it this morning. But you're both in here now. Dave, you're in here now. Fez is in here now. Yep. I don't know whether the poison is going to work, but it's Fez's uh, job to fight it off. I also got a uh, a message, and we haven't done it in a long time, and we've never done it here. But Don the Hypnotist would like to come back in and do a hypnosis show. And there's always two schools of thought there because a lot of people do not believe in hypnosis. That's because they do not understand hypnosis. Explain it to me. They they think that you turn into some sort of mind, you know, that the gimmick is some sort of mindless zombie. That's not how it works. What happens is Don the Hypnotist will put you in such a relaxed state. You're so comfortable. You're so okay with yourself and your surroundings that... You're very open to suggestion, and it actually feels good to go along with what with Don the Hypnotist is saying. Whether he's saying, you know, uh, you know, go back to sleep, hold your head, go back to sleep. You know, if there's stuff that you don't want to do, you're not going to do it even if you're under hypnosis. But it's the willing participants that end up going under. And it's, it's a very positive feeling. There's no sort of slave control to it yeah, or but gimmick. You, but you say that, but then you end up doing some embarrassing things. Like people will cry or act like they lost their dick. So you can't act like um, it's all positive. There's a, a lot of it that can be negative very quickly. Yeah, but it still feels good. It feels right to go with but, it. But you're crying. And you think that your dick is gone. <laughs> How can that be a good thing? Dave, you've done it. It affects me differently than Fez. I usually don't remember. I, 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 I get that from some of the people. I, I, I don't forget 100%, but I would forget anywhere between 70 to 85% on a given hypnosis. Much like your drinking nights. Exactly. Very, very precise. So you remember, like the drinking nights, <laughs> yeah. you remember bits and pieces of people looking freaked out at yeah. you. It's a, it's a very similar feeling. And so I, I always usually you remember wake up. everything, Fez? I remember, I'm probably the exact opposite of Dave. I probably remember about 85% of it. But it's weird to forget 15%. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's the thing. I don't know. He was passing a message along? Uh, tuning. Tuning. Okay. Um, so well, you write down for me, and then I know. Okay. 
Um, I think that's amazing that Fez can remember so much because I, I actually don't feel like that's the way it should work. I mean, I thought hypnosis is going well, on. I, I thought it would be up to the hypnotist where he could tell you you're not going to remember this or you are mm. going to remember this. The odd thing is I will feel like I remember every bit of it, 100%. And then, you know, we'll replay something or someone will mention something. And I go, oh, I don't remember that. All right. Um, here is my question to the listeners. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Do you believe in hypnosis or you do you not believe? The thing that annoys me, and I will honestly say this, I never laugh as hard as I do at you assholes than when you're hypnotized. Uh-huh. This is my one day to fucking go sideways laughing my ass off. You're sitting there and you're fucking talking Chinese and you're... <laughs> You think that your fingers are stuck together, and you two think that you're in love with each other. I can't stop fucking laughing. I mean, I will laugh till I crack a fucking rib. I will laugh so hard. And then I'll get home, and I'll be like, what a great show. And I will get tons of emails going, fake, why don't you guys just put on wrestling tights? And I'll write back to people and go, if it, I know these guys. They're not that funny. When We did the... Guys on the show, the guys that were hypnotized were acting like the ONA show. Pitsy was 900 times funnier <laughs> than everything that he's ever done for us put together. He was hysterical that day. And I'm talking about a guy who's never been hysterical. It, something takes over you. I, it's what impossible. Was it? What Hypnosis. takes Hypnosis. Uh, here is, uh, Drew Hall. Drew Hall, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, how you doing? I, uh, quit smoke. I, I was a horrible, horrible smoker. I couldn't stop, you know, smoking like three packs a day. And, uh, I quit smoking from hypnotist about five years ago. I haven't picked up a cigarette since. What did he do to make you quit smoking? I don't know. He just put me under and, uh, that was pretty much it. And I knew a sex addict who, uh, does not need to be a sex addict anymore now. Mm. Uh, here is Corbett. Corbett, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Um, I've been hypnotized before, and I, until I listened to Fez explain it, I, I thought I was just going along like I didn't want to be a party pooper. Right. I used to have my comedy club, and tons of people would say to me, and I would see them, you know, act like a fucking chicken, think that their dick had fallen into their sock, whatever this idiot did. And they would come off, and they would go like this. Hey, uh, listen, I covered for you up there. I just want you to know. <laughs> I fucking acted like that, but I'm not going to tell anybody. And I'd be like, thanks. And a lot of people would do that all the time. Let's talk to somebody who goes through life looking like he's hypnotized. Our own Al Dukes. Say, hey, Al. Oh, hey, Ron. Oh, hi, Al Dukes. Hi, Albert. Hi. I'm putting in a positive vote for the hypnotist show, if only to hear Dave... Constantly doing the Anthony, all right, all right, all right. That Dave was, was very funny that day. That was very funny. That's all he kept doing. Every statement everybody made, all right. <laughs> I I listened to it. I think I complained about my computer not working or something. Yeah, <laughs> studio equipment. You were doing every <laughs> small thing that Ant has ever done before uh, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't even know, like, half of those things. I'm telling you. 
I wouldn't have known half of those. Like, are you conscious that Anthony says all right? Like, I wouldn't have consciously said, Anthony says all right a lot. Like, there's the Anthony thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the hell? Like, it's... The all right t-shirts yeah, are available. so Anthony. Yeah, I think people associate Anthony with, I don't know, a million different things rather than saying all right repetitively. So, you know, but that, yeah, that was just the hypnosis talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm all for that. So do uh, that again. <laughs> okay. We'll, drop, we'll jot down your order, Al Dukes. Thank yeah, that's you. That's all I really have. I just remember really <laughs> laughing a lot, and I kept trying to catch it on the replay. All right. Well, and uh, later you tell us a bunch of great David Lee Ross stories. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Talk to you later, Albert. All right. See you. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. I'm wondering to see how he destroys the fan. He has destroyed every radio station he's touched. His air name should be Pestilence. And yet... The show that he's on now, Kalen, Kalen. Maybe it's because it's the only like talk radio left, sports talk. Uh, Jason in California, you're on Manifest. Hey Ronnie B, how's it going, guys? None of your business. Uh, I gotta, I gotta agree with Fezzy on this one. Uh, I've been hypnotized in the past, and although I knew what was going on, uh, kind of couldn't control what he was uh, prompting me to do, and. Uh, I mean, to the point where after the show, I had people walking up to me, like, betting that I was a hired. All right, so after the show, people, and this is happening to the guys here. After the show, people are going, really? Did that happen? And that happens to you all the time, huh, Dave? All the time. I mean, and people will say, well, did you really feel like that and stuff like that? And I'll, I'll have to say... Oftentimes it's blurry. I, I can't say, you know, yeah, it happened. It, it all, all of it happened to me. All right. It all did. Um, here is, oh, it's our good friend, Newsday Laura. Hello, Laura. Hi, buddies. Hi, buddy girl. <laughs> um, I put in a positive vote for Hypnotist Show. Mm-hmm. Donna's a good friend on Pal Talk. And if you don't have a chick and you want a chick to be hypnotized, I'd be happy to volunteer myself. I was thinking about an all-chick hypnotist show. <laughs> that might be fun. Because uh, I want to call this show Munch Munch Lesbo Pants <laughs> and see if that works out at all. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely would like to do, say I, I don't know. At our last year, we had tons of room, yeah. tons of space to take people yeah. to be hypnotized. Um, it's so tiny and so glass here. But, Laura, I promise you... Uh, if we can, if we can bring you in, we will. Yay! All right. Thanks. Buddy. All right. All right. Well, that oh. sounds just like. Him. All right. Oh, um, bye. Do we have any of those clips of when the guy's doing the show, or don't we have time for this today? Uh, we, we can play it tomorrow if need be. We can get away with it now. I mean, it's eleven minutes long. Eleven minutes of unfunniness. Much oh. funniness. <laughs> All right. Oh, bye. Was that what you were doing? <laughs> so you just like to quote yourself. What was what part did you play, Fez? I was Opie. Uh-huh. So yeah, uh, I know you just kept saying blueberries over and over. Blueberries, <laughs> blueberries. But what it made it look—the thing that annoyed me—is you made it seem like Opie does nothing. <laughs> so it was like part Opie, but there was still a huge amount of lazy Fez there as well. <laughs> but if you listen to this, it would seem like. Opie's on the O and A show a fez amount of time 
that Fez is on the Ron and Fez show. <laughs> like, I would think that if you normally did the show, Opie would probably talk more than anyone. Not on the hypnosis show. <laughs> he just goes, boop, burries. Boop, burries. Did you have anything else that you did an impression of him? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, just reading the instant feedback, like Opie does. Mm. I remember that. Uh, you Conducting read... the Dr. Z interview. Oh, that was my least favorite. Um, only because it doesn't stand the test of time. Uh-huh. It's not a normal person that was there the whole time. Um, here's our good friend, Hard Rock Joni. Hello, Joni. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> boy. I, I loved it. Those shows, you know, are absolutely hysterical. I, I can't... You, you said, Ronnie, if they could be half as funny when they weren't hypnotized as they were when they weren't, they'd be in great shape. I mean, that, that 08 was so spot on. It was absolutely hysterical. And I, I, I'm sometimes skeptical of that stuff, but I, I'm a pretty good believer after listening to those shows because you can't just make someone that funny. I am normally skeptical, but if something is that funny, I'm just going to laugh at it no matter what it is. If somebody could get that much comedy out of those guys, because I'm not kidding you, during the ONA um, hypnosis thing, right? I was in pain. I was <laughs> laughing so hard I was dry heaving. Because I'm going to play Guess on Twitter with you, right? Okay. Once again, Ronnie B. proves he's the best in the business. When's the last time a guest thanked an interviewer on air for asking questions? Guess on Twitter. I am going to guess that that is Mikey Boy. Johnny, do you want to guess who it was? Um, I think that was me. Johnny Rocks. Johnny Rocks. I've never, I mean, I've never, I've never heard that. She said, thank you for asking such in-depth questions. Yeah. It was an amazing interview. Uh, and then I looked down and not Sam just says, online at the Brazilian consulate. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I... Weird. And uh, Rorschach is very, very happy that his uh, skin creams came in today. <laughs> um, oh, it is Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. Did Eddie see his parents it's, at any concerts recently? <laughs> here's Rorschach. Ah, good. My oil of lay nighttime regenerative cream came. <laughs> uh, try to guess who this is. I need 55 more bucks and I can get the phone. So almost there. Thank you, friends. Oh, wow. Um, Frenchie. Yeah, of course, Frenchie. Of course. <laughs> very strange. Twitter's very weird. Um, all right. Thanks a lot, Jenny. All right, boys. Thanks, See Jenny. You. All right, do we have time to run the hypnosis show? It'll take us to the end of the show, then we're done. This will be the last thing we do. We wouldn't even be able to come back. But, we, yeah, we do. <sighs> we, he's saying we do if we do it right now. The second? We, have, we, should, we, we could play it four minutes, and then it'll, it'll end the show. We could play it for four minutes. In four minutes, sorry. In four minutes. Oh, and four minutes, and then it'll end the show. Yeah. I don't know whether I want to end the show with it or play it tomorrow. You know what? We ought to probably just end the show with it. We got caught up in this. But have any of you guys talked to uh, Dunn? I have not talked to Dunn the hypnotist. I He does a thing now where he has people what he calls walk the plank, where you will be on the outside of this building. Really? Yeah. All right. I don't like that. That's great. That is frightening. Fine, right? I No, that seems a little... Uh, frightening to uh, to think in your hypnotic mind that you're outside the building. No, you will uh, be on the outside, but you'll think in your hypnotic mind that you're walking on the street. So you'll be walking the same comfort level, but you'll be 36 floors up 
walking on what he calls it, the plank of, of horrible death. Mm. I don't like this new thing he's got. Oh, it's fun. It's going to be great. All right, why don't we play the uh, Ron and Fez show is hypnotized into believing that they're O&A. Welcome back to the ONA show. The ONA virus spreading across the country. Lingalanga. Lingalanga. In the house with ONA. And today, little Jimmy Norton. Jimmy, where are you going to be appearing? We have punchline Make sure you check that out. Coming into the studio, she's a penthouse pet. She is our resident sexpert. Dr. Z. Dr. Z, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, right? <laughs> Dr. Z, what's on your mind today? <laughs> I'm here to talk about my new book. <laughs> I'm in... Go ahead. In my new book, I will tell you exactly how to get women who are as hot as I am, and any man... I'm already there. I don't need your book. (laughs) Well, I do hear good things about you. Hickory dickory duck, this this guest sucks cock. Oh! (laughs) What women are looking for (laughs) is a penis. (laughs) We want a man with a penis. Please, I'm just it's trying to... It's fat out tell this okay, bitch, okay, okay, tell what? this hole to shut the fuck up. All right, okay, 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 <laughs> Dr. Z, she's going to be hanging out this weekend at M.H. Riley's in Huntington Village, Long Island. Broken Jaw here, tell his guests to get the shit out of the studio. She's a fucking hole. All right. But, Anthony, I'm hearing that you're having some women troubles right now. Yeah, what's some advice for Ants? I'm thinking that... What's some advice for him? I had a lovely lady, Opie, and that lady has departed, Opie, and so we are no longer together. Easy. All right. And now you're looking... On the prowl, you're looking for a new woman, and you have a penis. I don't need so to like look to for anyone. So you insert your penis into her, someone's vagina. Is that all right? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, well, doctor, because I get... Know that you talk to Anne, I'm going to join necessarily... my blueberries. My blueberries. <laughs> I got a big bowl of blueberries. Well, Did you get a bowl of blueberries? blueberries. Did you get yourself? I got some blueberries. A little bowl of blueberries for open. You know I enjoy blueberries. Did you get a little bowl of blueberries for open? Jimmy's got this thing. Yeah. You know, I can say it because we're not at the other place. No. I can say it. Jimmy likes uh, he likes to get shit on. You know, different things turn different people on. Some like a penis in their rectal hole. Just tell her shit on me? I would say you could take a little bit of a softer approach. Um, Should I ever go to MySpace.com? Oh, you plug. To you. He always plugs Doc. Don't mind him. All right. Speaking of... Oh, I got an idea. We get Big A and Stalker Patty in here, and they just shit all over the floor, and then we just have, you know, we have, like, uh, naked girls coming in here roll around in it for cash. Mm. We hide cash in the shit. We hide cash in the shit. I swear, if fucking Elo 
tells us we can't do this again. I swear. There's going to be hell to pay. Oh boy. There's going to be hell to pay if we can't do the ONA shit roll. Someone tell Steve my computer's down. I don't know. How to do a show with a computer <laughs> I down. Steve, I don't know how to fix anything. Um, oh, look at baby girls showing it off on Talk. All right. Those are quite lovely. She was definitely blessed. Are they real? Do you know? They are indeed, ma'am. Uh, as my uh, ex-wife's grandmother said, Can I have some more box wine? Can I know right hands? No right hands! All right. I'm thinking none of this is helping your quest for a new vagina. <laughs> Jimmy? Jimmy, tell me what were you playing this weekend? I'll be at Bananas in Poughkeepsie. com slash Jim Norton. And that's where we can come see our comedy? If you want to fall in a pool of AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> now, who are you putting your penis in currently? Anyone good? Anyone that has a hole, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer male or female penises? I'll take it anywhere I can get it. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> Well, it's getting a little uncomfortable here, Rob. It is getting a little uncomfortable. I'm just trying to enjoy my blueberries. Blueberries. All right, we have The Undertaker coming up next, I think. Hope, uh, WrestleMania's this weekend. Would is that right, Jimmy? Yeah, Would you be willing to let you <laughs> If you want to see who's on the card. Would The Undertaker be willing to let All us right. explore him anally? <laughs> Dr. Z, you're the sexpert. What wrestler do you think E-Rock would want to have sex with the most? <laughs> Hello, Ronald Reagan here. I forgot how bad E-Rock sucks. <laughs> well, to be honest, I'm not really that familiar with Nancy's wrestling. head is like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> they didn't have wrestling in the country that I was raised in. E-Rock's the big fucking fat sumo wrestler who can't get through the door right now. E-Rock's got a bit of a belly. All right. <laughs> Well, as long as he has a... We made him do a chubby bunny. If he has a less They should have called it a chubby average, faggot, all right? Anthony, if he has a less than average or mid-range penis, he will get a woman. I'm not too worried about him. What's the best thing guys can do to get women? Have a penis. <laughs> Looks like your hole is pretty goddamn big, huh, Doc? All right. I'll have you know that I've had sex with over a hundred Thank people. you, Jimmy. Where was the car crash sound effect for that one, Jim? <laughs> I had to give myself a triple there, Jimmy. redundant. If you want to sign up for the ONA shit roll, go to myspace.com slash Jim Norton. If you're a naked lady and you want to roll around and shit for some uh, cash money, uh, I would tell you to go to the website, but we're not allowed to fucking mention it here. We're not allowed to even mention it. So for some reason, uh, we have a website that has the same name as the fucking show, and we can't mention it. Get Don on the phone. Opie. Don Opie. is worthless. <laughs> this is not going to help our careers, Ope. <laughs> XFL on our way, Opie. You always seem to have a lot of tension. Is that something that you would like to release today, perhaps in some kind of jerking manner? Well, what we'll do is we have, I believe, anywhere from two to 3,000 dildos in our office. <laughs> do you have any Purell, Doc? doesn't sound very sanitary, you know what I'm I saying? But Purell not for this guy here, all right. I'm going to be shit on. You can do whatever you want. Dad, 
ahead, Doc. Shit on him. Shit on me. Shit on him. Come on. Go ahead. Go shit ahead, on him. Doctor. I'm very sorry. Ahead, I've already taken him. a shit today, and I'm not really feeling motivated to shit on him. put it on his him. mustache. Dan <laughs> oh. Bryant, my mouse is not working again. <laughs> I'm thinking this is all very unsanitary, and really what we should be focusing on is plugging my book. Right, go ahead. All right, what's your what's your plug? Whole Illustrated. Jimmy, why don't you plug her book? Why don't you plug Doctor Z's book if for? If you want to get a copy of uh, Doctor Z's new book, just go to eatabullet.com or myspacecom slash Jim Norton. <laughs> you seem to have a lot of hostility towards women, Jimmy. Where does this come from? Having your penis touched by dick. your mother? I sucked the dick under the porch once when I was little. <laughs> Tell us a little about that. We play this game called Monster Rain, and every time we'd say, Monster Rain, Monster Rain, and I, we'd suck each other off. You think that's what it is? It could be. About how old were you doing this? Eleven. Eleven. So you were well into the prepubescent stage. I love dicks in my mouth back there. <laughs> and do you still right, on the, uh, on the instant message, Steve from Bayshore saying this should be Dr. Z, 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 Z. <laughs> you have big cans, do you, Doc? <coughs> they are. They're rather large, yes. All right. <laughs> All right, let's go to a call. We got uh, Steve from Yellowstone calling. Steve from Yellowstone. Hello, I'd like to ask a question for Dr. Z. Yeah, you're on with Dr. Z. What do you got? Dr. Z, what is the first chapter of your book? The first chapter is entitled... <laughs> Dr. Z's book, I wipe my ass with and eat it! That's not a very nice thing to say about my book. Oh, but we're sorry about saying, that. I had no idea. Hello, Celine Dion here. Yes, go Dr. Ahead. Z's appearances is going like the Titanic. It's sinking! <laughs> sorry. Get myself a car crash there, Elp. <laughs> Dr. Z is in studio with us with her new book. I'm sorry, What? What? what's the name of the book? How to pick up stupid Russian chicks. <laughs> it's my self-taught. I thought you were German. <laughs> thought, Excuse me. Well, weren't you supposed to be German, Doctor Z? That's what you were last time. No, she's Russian, right? She's right. I think she's I Russian, know right? I think she's. Uh, I think she, I thought she was German. Uh, I think you just. And by like the way, the to all my German friends, much. hail Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. There's anyone that you don't hope is German. I just can't say that all Hitler's ideas were that bad, right? Do you believe yourself to be a Nazi? I'd also like to say, uh, can we do something a little bit about Obama? I think what people down the South what know what I'm so talking about. What are you worried about? I'm not going to have... I'm not going to be a, a citizen in a country with one of those type of people. All, you know what I'm talking I'd say it, but we weren't in Long Island. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you there. Dr. Z, uh, thanks for coming in. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, one more call. I believe we have uh, Steve from Yellowstone back. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Z. I'd like to ask you a question. What's your question? Come on! <laughs> oh, boy. Your he... book is shit! Oh, jeez. I've never been mm. so insulted. He didn't mean that. I, I don't think that was a real caller, up. <laughs> we got to take another break. Coming up. We will have Patrice O'Neill. We will have Robert Kelly, Rich Voss stopping by. All coming up. My keyboard is still not working, Steve. <laughs> works around here. You know, I don't want to start running with the why, new PD why, why would my keyboard work, Opie? Why would my keyboard work, Opie? 
And I don't even think I got strong uh, blueberries. I think I got strawberries. Where else blueberries? Blueberries. Blueberries. We'll be right back. It's the ONA show. Ron Bennington and Watley. It's the Ron and Fez show on XM202, Sirius 197. Hey, it's Ron and Fez. We're done. Hey! Opie and Anthony are up next on the virus XM202, Sirius 197. Prepare to be amazed. Mm-hmm. 